Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And this week, it's a very special episode indeed, as uh, I, Kevin Mann, hello, and uh, Joe Graham. Hello. We're going to talk about How To China, which is a, a really, really big episode for us, Joe, I think. I think maybe it's part of the reason it's taken us so long to, to get this one recorded. Yeah, it's not because I was in a car accident. No, that had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, I was lying there, you know, car all busted up going, ah. The sweet life. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was one which, I mean, I guess this is, is this the first time it's happened on Outer Wrestling where the passing of a wrestler has maybe kind of made us go, okay, we probably need to talk about this person's life now. Yeah, I think this is the only one. The closest I could possibly compare it to, and I feel awful even saying this, is when Hulk Hogan was outed as a racist. Well, we were planning on doing that one very early anyway. Yeah. It just so happened he was, Then it was like, oh, he's a racist now, so I guess we should record the episode soon. Hulk Hogan's like, you know something, dude? This how-to wrestling thing is pretty good, but it needs a little bit of the rocket fuel, dude. <laughs> I'm going to out myself as a racist. Thanks, Hulkster. We appreciated that one. Have there been many wrestlers that have died since we started the podcast? Because, like, Roddy Piper, he died just before we started, right? Yes, but, I mean... In terms of like wrestler deaths, I mean, you've had obviously big names die. Obviously, you know, Dusty Rhodes passing away, Roddy Piper that you mentioned. But I mean, whenever, anytime anyone uses the term wrestler death, my straight away, I'm thinking about, you know, the between 2007 and 2011, there were just like, you know, 40, 50 guys, like guys who had been on main, main TV, like within, you know, five years of that incident all just dropping off under the age of 40. So, I mean, yes, there have been wrestling deaths, since we started age wrestling, but maybe not as many in the, in the sense of the classic wrestling death I would have been known of, which is, you know, oh crap, this guy who was on TV two years ago and got yeah. released and had problems with, uh, you know, substance abuse is now dead. So we've had fewer of those. I mean, honestly, the closest thing that's come to that is is China's passing, I yeah. guess, in, in a way. I mean, Bret Hart was obviously quite sick with cancer recently because yeah. he struggled through so we were like well don't have to record his episode just yet <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I never wanted this, I suppose we were saying off the off the bat I never wanted this podcast I mean we were kind of figuring out as we're going along in terms of what we really want out of this show but definitely something I've never wanted this to be is something that's us just dwelling on death yeah, that'd be and horrible. it's kind of like they have died and let's talk about how they died and every detail leading up to death that cast. death 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 and because if we do that honestly i don't think it would be worth the font that we have for this podcast because it would get a bit dark yeah. and bleak we Not- did our branding real wrong if <laughs> yeah, that's we're, <laughs> we're far to too many it. flowers uh joe obviously was designing <laughs> that before she knew about the uh you know the dark world there is a dark side of wrestling really you know yeah there is are um, you serious because i don't know if i can get into this podcast now a year in and you're telling me now that there's some dark sides. But I just want people to know, I guess, off the bat that, you know, we said the end of last episode, and it definitely is the aim of this episode, at least, is to hope to, to celebrate a bit of China's life and career in the ring and get to see why there was that giant outpouring of support, I guess, and, and grief, because it was, you know, people said that she was a hero, she was a game changer, all that stuff, and she was an icon. So that's what really our, our point was here with this episode, and we've had really great tweets and Facebook posts and whatnot and match recommendations. So just saying at the top of the hour, that's kind of what we're hoping to, to get out of, out of this with China today. 
I suppose especially because so much of the media coverage after her dying has been about her substance abuse and mm. her acting out in public. And I quite like the idea of us offsetting that with uh, looking back at her actual wrestling career. I kind of like, it's almost as if this is like a podcast where you can teach someone about wrestling and wrestling. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird that. It's a great idea. Someone we should, should make do. That to a podcast. I, someone should do a podcast about the Attitude Era. That sounds like an excellent yeah, idea. I think so. Right. So uh, before we get into our matches, and we have many, and segments, and thoughts, and feelings, and whatnot, it's time for uh, what you learned this week in wrestling. So what did you learn this week in wrestling? Okay, first of all, I think it's getting to the point now we almost need a little jingle there. I am, I'm just kind of saying that. just a noise that one of us At the sound of a klaxon, tell me what you learned this week in wrestling. (laughs) Okay, now. I've got a little Irish flute there. (laughs) Hang on a second, wait, we're going to do this right. This is especially good because Kevin's dad plays the Irish flute. Yeah, I'm Irish, so therefore it's time for what you learned this week in wrestling. Yes, I'm so glad that's a thing now. Who needs actual musical skills (laughs) when you've got a cultural heritage that no one can question? (laughs) So, this week I learned in wrestling that there is such a thing out there as terrible wrestling books. Because I think I've been accused previously of, of trying to shelter you with this lovely, lovely wrestling yeah, and stuff. Yeah, Foley's autobiography, slowly. It's taken us about a year, because we only read it every so often. In my defence, I do all the voices when I, we read out, you, uh, you know, and I, I will do the Triple H, the Jim Cornette. Joe doesn't even know who Jim Cornette is properly. And but he still does the voice. When she, when, when she hears him talk for the first time, she'll be like, oh, yeah, Kevin's impression is good. I'm, I'm retroactively setting myself up for a compliment. Same with Terry Funk. <laughs> I love him already because of your accent, your impression of him. So, yeah, so I learned this week that there are terrible, terrible wrestling books out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you had to, you got on a podcast recently, yeah, uh, which is all about books. Yeah, um, so I, I appeared on the I Don't Even Own a TV podcast where they discuss bad books. And uh, I gleefully said, yeah, I won't mind reading Big Apple Takedown by by Rudy Joseph. And, uh, um, you know, obviously check out the podcast. It was a whole lot of fun to do that podcast. What was not fun, though, was reading that book. And just to address the elephant in the room, yes, Joe's and I's relationship has gotten worse because of me reading this book. Um, (laughs) You know, everything is strained in my life because of this book. Wrestling books can be terrible, honey. You know what I like to think is because you started reading this book after the car accident. (laughs) So I think this is your way of coping with the terrible, tragic incident. Well, I'm just worried now that after the car accident, I'm actually in a coma and in a world where Big Apple Takedown, a book where WWE superstars become NSA undercover agents, is actually something that was made and I did a podcast about. (laughs) Oh, shit. This has gotten very Wizard of Oz on me now. Can we talk about this book for a second? We, We can talk about this book for a second. Okay, so on the cover... Bearing in mind, this book is like, you've only had it for like less than a week. Yeah. And it's falling up. It's literally falling apart. It is. If someone didn't know any better and they saw that at Jumble Sale, they might confuse it with being a well-loved book. Yeah, it looks well-loved. No, there's there's hatred in that page. The front page, the the cover is folded in shame. Yeah. Because it's a picture of a woman with her cleavage on display. Yeah. Now, obviously, I've many books, hardcover and softcover, with with women with large breasts on the front. Mm. But just, it felt a need I had to obscure that. (laughs) And every so often, when Kevin was reading these this book, and I'd be playing video games or whatever, he'd be like laughing at someone. But oh, go on, tell me, tell me what happened. And then you'd say like the weirdest thing. It was like you were reading fan fiction. <laughs> Pretty much. By, like was. some kind of rabid twelve-year-old WWE fan who doesn't quite know enough about the history. 
<laughs> and comes out like going, haha, and Joe's like, what's going on, Kevin? Oh, it just turns out the, the chauffeur for Masterson all the time, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was undercover. <laughs> Not even the NSA director knew. And it's like about what, crystal meth? Um, yeah, it's a crystal meth operation that's being uh, set up, and the, only the WWE superstars, in, in conjunction with the NSA, can stop it. And yes, John Cena is in it, and yes, Triple H is in it, and yes, Triple H has all the best lines and action scenes as well. Right. So um, yeah, do check out. I don't even own a TV because um, I do think you need to find out how horrible an experience that was for me and I feel everyone <laughs> should share it in, in my pain. <laughs> right. So how to China. We were very fortunate in that WWE Network have continued their amazing idea of putting together little um, playlists. And that's very fortunate because there was a nice playlist of China's stuff up there, which had some interesting inclusions and interesting omissions. But uh, we, we started off right there, really, with when we were watching with China. We started watching some of her, her very early segments. It was interesting for this as well, because as you were saying before we started recording, she's a lot of her matches are quite short. Mm-hmm. So we've done a few more than we would normal, am I right? Yeah, we did a couple of extra matches and we watched some some extra segments. But in terms of China's background, China was originally doing things like um, fitness modelling and bodybuilding and things like that. Mm. And around 1997, there's a couple of versions of the story floating around out there, but best I could surmise that the reason why she was picked up by WWE was because uh, she was training to be a wrestler with a guy called Killer Kowalski, who was a very famous wrestling trainer. He also trained Triple H and Perry Saturn and, you know, know, uh, Jason Alberts. I was going to say Prince Albert, but you know him as the the guy from NXT. He was trained by Killer Kowalski. So China trained there with Killer Kowalski, and he was, like, telling everyone, like, look, she's going to be a big star. She's, you know, she's not like anyone you've ever seen before because she's a bodybuilder. She's a woman. She's tall. She's completely unique. So was she training there to become a wrestler? She was trained to become a wrestler. Now, I got mad confused when I was researching about this because I distinctly remember listening to an interview with her where she was like, yeah, I trained with the men, but I never got in the ring with them. Like, so she never trained that way. I don't know what that means, though, because... Does that just mean, like, working out certain muscles or... I I guess. Maybe, because I guess in... um breaking round you see a lot of them training just on their own in the yeah. ring just doing like falls and stuff yeah. maybe and that's stuff like what it is could have been because as you can obviously see when we watch through the matches her wrestling training and ability has obviously increased yeah. greatly like from where she started off but the the scuttlebutt was was that WCW in 1997 who were WWF's main competition at the time were like oh this China seems like you know she might be up to something and because of that and Triple H and Shawn Michaels were, were had met her previously as well. Apparently, it was Shane McMahon who managed to broker the deal and convince her to come in to the company because he saw that she was this like amazing, unique, could be like a big attraction. That's awesome. I love Shane even more now. Is that I love brilliant? That he's like, everyone says he's a good guy, and then he's responsible for bringing in cool ass talent. I think it's a really awesome idea. Yeah. yeah. So we we actually watched China's very 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 first appearance, which is as a fan in the crowd, <laughs> assault. Tiny Terry Runnels just basically to show you only want to show how big the new woman is you show her with a regular sized woman to scale so you can see how giant China is Terry is. Runnels a regular size or is she quite small or? She, I'd say she was like because China's what 5'10 
I think she was five ten thereabouts. Yeah. Which doesn't seem that tall for me. She was just her just... stature just always seemed quite. Yeah. yeah. Terry was quite short. She would have been around five foot maybe. So. Yeah, that is quite tiny. But yeah, she she made uh, China look massive. Yeah. And China's debut very interesting in her original role, and the one that I certainly grew up knowing her for was as Triple H's bodyguard, and. I really think that it's something that's been missed massively when looking back now at her career and all this stuff. Because people are like, oh, she was Triple H's you know, lackey or whatever, and then she went on to this other thing. But the very idea in like 1997 of going, hey, I'm this big tough guy, bad guy wrestler is Triple H, and here's my bodyguard, and his bodyguard's a woman. I mean, that's an obvious thing that people would have, you know, fans and idiots and people who thought wrestling should only be a certain thing would have been like, oh, there's no way you can do that. You'd be laughed out. I was wondering about that because I know nothing about Triple H's character before I started watching. Like, literally, I know he was in... DX? Yep. D-Generation X? Same thing. That's the same thing. Yep. I honestly know nothing about them, really. So I didn't know if his um, persona was that he was this big, tough guy, or if it was that he was like a... Okay, like, oh, save, save me, my well, hiding behind her. Like. Yeah, I wondered if maybe that was it. Like, he was, like, acting all tough and then really, like, hiding behind a woman. Maybe they were playing at that angle. They never replayed really it. What they played it as was... Triple H was this like badass who had he used to bring like valets to the ring with him. Then he had China as a bodyguard, and even though Triple H could handle himself in the ring, China just beat everyone up. And the original angle, and they really pushed this hard, and it was probably one of the most like, whoa, you can't do that. That's so like different to what we would do normally. The original angle was was that China would beat up all the men. And the men couldn't beat her back up because you can't hit a woman. And that was the kind of thing they were playing up, which was like, she's just as physically imposing as the men, but she was getting away with like acting this way and beating them all up. And the guys were like, oh, you know, you can't fight her. Cause it, and it, right. it was them trying to like take that apart and like play off of like, I don't know, some sort of inbuilt. And so were they saying what, the men couldn't hit her because of WWE rules or because of society rules? A little bit of both, like, okay. yeah. So the idea is like, you, know, you can't hit a woman, you can't, he's, that's the valet, you don't strike a valet. But like, China wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't like, oh, pulling the foot on the rope. She was like decking guys in the face and hitting everyone in the balls as well. Do you know what I think about this, right? <laughs> it's such an interesting subject, the whole idea of um, can men hit women? Yeah. And it is something that I think should be explored. Generally, should be discussed. But is the right place to discuss it really wrestling? No. Where your job is to hit the other person? No, it's exactly, and that's it. And I think... You know, a lot of people saw, were, were so against it. I mean, you can listen on the commentary. Uh, Jim Ross, the, the, the commentator for most of the Attitude Era, as we could surmise from the commentary, didn't think that you should have men fighting women in any capacity. Mm. Men shouldn't lay their hands on women. Women shouldn't lay their hands on men. The, the two shall never meet in, in the wrestling ring. But some people were... Because there's nothing ever like this ever happened before. You know, men and women didn't fight, and if they did, they didn't certainly make out like the woman was like this giant domineering like presence, like China was. Was it also a thing at the time? Was kayfabe still kept very much? A little bit more than now, but it was still very much the cat out of the bag. It was WWF, like they they were entertainment. Like if the lines are less blurred or more blurred, rather I should say, between it being a sport and it being entertainment, I can see why people might then go, "Oh, she can't be wrestling here." She's, yeah. she's a woman but, but 
I guess like the original thing as well was the fact that you know China originally she didn't wrestle for like a year and a half to nearly two years of her original run. She was just you know there as the the the, the silent bodyguard. She like, didn't speak at all for, for like, the first years. for nearly two years. She never spoke. She was always strong, silent. Had her her arms folded, and the only thing she ever did was like you know she beat guys up, like slam their heads into the ring post or give them a devastating low blow or something like that. Wow, which was really really great. But uh, there were some people, members of the roster, um, didn't believe that it was a. Was was a good thing that China was coming in there. Um, Ahmed Johnson, wrestler of the time, uh, shit wrestler of the time, I should mention. Right. Uh, once was famously quoted as saying to a, a source, "Ain't gonna let no bitch hit me." He said he would not sell for a woman if Why? a woman hit him because you can't have a woman hit a man. How dare you? What an absurd concept. I don't. In what, what's his issue there? His issue there is that he what, is the women are weak. Yeah, the... and he didn't want to. He didn't want to sell for a woman. So what? He was worried that he'd look weak. Yeah. And or that, he was worried that you know, the gender would weak. look weak. He just thought he was uncomfortable with selling for a woman. That would be. Uh, He's got some issues there. Absolutely, real issues he should uh, address. And you can know as well in the career of China, those that were comfortable with working with China versus those that had like for whatever reason, be it a hateful or a, or just a societal reason for for not being comfortable with it. Those that got on board with it got a lot more out of China and got a lot more out of their stories and matches than yeah. those that were like, oh, I don't want to wrestle a woman. I'll get cooties, you know. What fucking immature men. But she really got herself carved in to, to a niche with becoming part of DX, which was a very big part of the show. And you have Triple H and Shawn Michaels yucking about, being all wacky, and China was always there as being like the, the straight face, kind of. So we actually watched a bit with DX um, pretending to break up with China. Uh, it was one of the first times China spoke, actually, which was when you had uh, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, and Billy Gunn, and Road Dog and Triple H all calling each other jack-offs. The jack-off promo. The jack-off promo. Because we started watching it, and you were like, are they really just calling each other jack-offs? <laughs> and then literally, as Joe was saying, that Triple H's like, wait a minute, you're a jack-off? I'm a jack-off? She's a jack-off? <laughs> it was so entertaining. It was really good. And also... China gave one hell of a promo. Oh, she, she was very good. She, she uh, yeah, they, they. What was great around that time was that China started to speak, and they used the fact that she was always quiet, like for for comedy, hmm. which is they're all like saying they're all going to do a DX split because DX always showed their asses, and then she was like, "Look, why do you think everyone wants to see your asses all the time on TV?" <laughs> it's like me saying, so "Yes, why?" <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was really really funny just to kind of see some of the stuff she was involved with because as you said, she other than being in Triple H's corner, she didn't really wrestle for for a long time. Another great segment we watched was her taking Mark Henry out on a date. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was amazing, and it was hilarious. A lot of it was because of Mark Henry's inability to act. Yeah. These are all segments that are in that China um, compilation on mm-hmm. the network. But definitely worth checking them out just to see, um, you know, the fact that she had this amazing range and she could do more than just a stand looking intimidating. That's why I don't understand. Two years of her standing there and looking... I mean, that's basically hiring her to be a freak show, right? Oh, she's tall and she's beautiful. Let's and, and hugely muscled. Mm-hmm. Like she can give a good promo. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think she all that time she was standing there being quiet for whatever you know, if you want to call it. She was traveling with Triple H. Yeah. She was traveling with you know with with guys in DX with with Shawn Michaels, and she was learning you know all along all along that time because you know those were traveling together all the time. They you know hung out backstage all together all the time, and Triple H in China were were an item and were always said to be inseparable when they were together. Like they 
traveled together they rode together they were backstage in their own area together they only spoke with, they didn't really hang out with anyone else yeah, and Triple H very much the, you know, always called himself you know, the game because he was such a student of, of the world of wrestling so she was obviously constantly learning so I think it wasn't so much the case of she wasn't allowed to do that stuff but she was developing those skills and right. then was maybe more in a position to do those promos and you know take a more active role mm-hmm. you know later on in the years than her her original one was the other match that and setup that we watched it was the first kind of match we we watched it was very much kind of almost like a segment though which was they had a battle royale on raw in 1999 to decide who was going to go in number 30 into the royal rumble and it looked like that no good bastard Vince McMahon won it and then China came out and threw him out over the top rope in what was one of the coolest moments ever. I love that so much. Because <laughs> Vince thinks he's won and he rips open his shirt and he's like, yeah. And then China comes out and he literally looks like he shit the bed. It's fucking <laughs> brilliant. His reaction is so, so good. Yeah. And China being in the Royal Rumble as well. I mean, it's something that's always made out. China was the first woman in the Royal Rumble. And we've watched her appearance in the Royal Rumble where she came out and threw out Mark Henry in, in a feat of strength. What did you think of about that like her being in there 29 men and one woman it's interesting it's certainly an easy way to make her look very strong Mm. I don't know how I think about the whole putting a woman up against all the men yeah like one single woman I don't really like the implication. Well, it wasn't 29 versus what? It was every man and woman for themselves. I'm not saying that. But like the whole idea that China was the only one strong enough to go up against the other men. Mm. That's what I have issue with. So the fact that they were doing, you know, a storyline where, you know, a woman could fight men, but only this particular woman. Yeah, especially when they were treating the other women like shit. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting about the time is that China really was a complete trailblazer and I, well, I guess not trailblazer as much as like a phenom in her own right in that she was very much her own entity mm. is there was the women of wrestling the divas mm. and then there was china yeah you know china was her own thing which was kind of it's a bit strange to kind of wrap your head around but they very much treated them separately and that was both on camera and behind the scenes china didn't dress with the women she didn't like really socialize with them again she was quite entrenched in with triple h so all the while while this was all happening there was a women's division in in wwf but i think as we talked about in the tristratus episode the late 90s wasn't exactly a, a beacon of time for women's wrestling some would say that is because china being there as being this is like fucking hell look at there's a poster child for women wrestling she's this fucking amazing amazon woman oh yeah no, there's other women over there as well we'll do a I calendar with them in bikinis the issue when a lot of the women at the time were models yeah models so they didn't have like a wrestling background either well the, a lot of them were had wrestling backgrounds you know as well that's there, the bit you know? which i don't understand I, I think it feels bad for them because i always figured one of the reasons why that division wasn't pushed more was because you know, there were, none of them were going to become another China, so to speak. Yeah. So what really was the, the, their prerogative in doing that? They just pushed them as kind of eye candy and whatnot. Yeah. And China was the kind of, if they needed to go, hey, look, there's a woman wrestling China. Wow, look how amazing she is. She fights the men. Whoa, what about the seven other women who Doesn't are... Doesn't elevate women yeah. generally. What about the seven other women who aren't fighting men instead fighting each other in a pit full of, you know, gravy, gravy. or mud <laughs> or chocolate pudding or, you know, Ovaltine or whatever it is this week yeah. that we've got a hard on for. So, yeah, I think that's always just worth noting. A, a trailblazer in her own right, yes, but she didn't necessarily take all those women along for the ride with her. No. You know, yes, she was the first woman in the Royal Rumble, but there wasn't another woman in the Royal Rumble until like 2010. And half of that was despite China for saying she was the only woman in the Royal Rumble. Oh, so, geez, yeah. you know, but a really cool moment there. And you can see 
I was growing up which wrestling around this time and when China did things it was like first woman in the Royal Rumble first woman in King of the Ring she hit Vince McMahon she did this and it was always big standout stuff they really protected her and made her look like a, a star definitely seemed very very cool like the whole angle was it's hard to watch it and not get goosebumps really when you see her like enter the King of the Ring the Royal Rumble and everything but like, I think the first couple of times we watched her when she was like coming out to the ring you were just like whoa because she looks like such a star yeah she is she, she is such a star particularly around this time 1999 she had like her really major kind of surgery that really changed her appearance where her jawline was kind of reconfigured mm. and she started being positioned a lot more her, as her appearance changed her positioning changed really yeah, as it's well it's really interesting actually watching through seeing kind of chicken and the egg I was yeah. wondering did she get that position because she changed how she looked or did she change how she looked and therefore felt was in a position yeah. to do those things really really interesting to think about she always said though that like, the fact that she had her jaw restructured like completely changed her confidence and her outlook and she became a lot more yeah. like less self-conscious in the ring and you know performing and stuff like Which that so only be a good thing yeah absolutely but yeah every time she comes out in this period she just looks like a star and she yeah. comes off like a like a total star and I think her look that she has a Triple H with like the black leather gloves and stuff like that that's that's like Princess Leia in a bikini levels of entrenched in boys minds <laughs> all the men listening to this right now who are teenagers during the Attitude Era you know exactly what you're thinking about right now put that image right in your heads that's how strongly it was kind of branded and whatnot. um First match we watched with China, full proper match. And I picked this one because I do remember doing a lot of China matches on the Attitude Era podcast where it was like a tag match and she'd come in for like two minutes at the end or Which was a hot tag. Yeah, kind of just to be or just to be in there to do something dastardly in the end. So this was the first match I remember that all three of us on that show gushed about in terms of like, wow, what a great match for China because because she was so unique, any wrestler that was having a match with her really had to kind of you know, it wasn't just, hey, we'll go out there and do whatever. They had to kind of put together a bit of a plan. Didn't you say that was partly because of her lack of, like, training? Partly because of his lack of training, but also as well, they were a bit... Like, they didn't want her to sell just like the other guys, and they didn't want the matches just to be, like, kind of go in there and bam, bam, bam. They wanted, like, usually, early on anyway, the fact that it was a woman fighting a man had to kind of play into the story of the match a little bit somewhat. Like, in this match with Road Dog, like, the fact that Road Dog, because he's a good guy, won't just go in and bash her in the face. Like, they they grapple at the start, and he's like, right, you know, we'll we'll try to do this as a respectable wrestling contest. (laughs) Which meant a lot of the times you could get some clunkers. But this was... uh, I love this this match that she has, particularly China's promo backstage, where so she, good. Where she says that Road Dog, you've got big brass balls, balls. to get balls. balls. She says that with ferocity. Balls. 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 She says it like Buffy the Bamfire Slayer says, eggs. <laughs> Balls. I love the way she looks directly at the camera when she's not talking. She's got such a great on-screen presence. Yeah. And she's... it's weird to think like a year before this, she wasn't really talking at all. Yeah. I wonder if that's partly why she's so good at... I think there is a huge skill actually to be, to be gained in knowing the kind of things your face is doing and yeah. your body's doing when you're not talking that's true yeah on camera I think a lot of wrestlers are guilty of at the moment as soon as they stop talking they kind of like their faces go blank what am I going to say like, next like, thinking probably about their next line yeah, yeah stuff to remember is it interesting seeing Triple H being in a uh, managerial role in this one I guess like Triple H is kind of you know China's valet in this one really yeah <laughs> that's interesting 
What's most interesting is seeing how different Triple H looks now compared yeah. to how he looked then. With his long stringy hair. He was a very ugly man. He was kind of like a troll lord here, I always figured. He looks a lot better now with yeah. his shaved head, I think. And lack of denim. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts on the road dog who China's taking out in this King of the Ring contest? He looks like such a dink. <laughs> such a dink. What, what about him is so dinkish? I mean, is the pineapple hair, cornrows not a good look? No. Tattooed back of his head, not a good look? No. no? Um, but one thing I noticed was that his entrance is really similar to Enzo and Cass. Ah, how so? Well, he has this kind of similar thing where he, as he comes out to the ring, he'll ch- uh, say things to the crowd, yeah. which they'll join in with. You know, they're kind of... I, I don't know what he said now, but... He said, oh, he, you, you, you <laughs> don't make me say Road Dogs thing Oh, now. go on, say Road Dogs well, thing. Well, he, he comes out and he says, oh, you didn't know. Your ass better call somebody. Then he will say something along the lines of, it's me, it's me, it's that D-O-double-G. And then he'll say something about where they are. Then he'll come to the ring and say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, T-Generation and X-Predipings to you, one half of WWE Tag Team Champions of the World, the Road Dog, Jesse James. Then he'll probably say something like, I got two tears and a bucket, and you ain't done with that. I got two words for you. And then the crowd would say, suck it. Right. Yeah. So you know that whole thing. And you can't teach that. Yeah. I'm just going to brush over the fact that you know all of the lines. Hey, you, you, you asked for it, okay? Let's pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, you asked for it. But it is very similar to Enzo and Cass. Yeah, it's cool that the crowd all like, yeah. get into it. Shows you, like, I think you can really get across to a crowd if you have something for, to say to them and they yeah. can say stuff back to you. So, yeah, as I was saying, early on they, they play up the, the unease of fighting you know, a woman that Road Dog's not just going to go in there and, like, pound her straight away. And Jim Ross is like, you oh, know, Road Dog being a gentleman here going for a collar and elbow tie up and Jerry Aller's like yeah he's not gonna he's he's not gonna be able to live this one down if he gets hit beat up by China he'll get beaten up by a girl ha ha which I thought was quite interesting playing up there that they were doing Jerry Lawler saying should he really hit a woman and if he does will she knock his lights out <laughs> and then later I bet right now he's thinking I've gotta wrestle a girl <laughs> I think what they were doing was weird because Jerry's the heel commentator. Jerry like liked the fact that Road Dog was uneasy about fighting a girl, yeah. and he was taunting him for that. And what we always know was strange at the time was that you were Jim Ross because China was the heel, kind of going men, women shouldn't wrestle, and you're like it's you have to be sin. yeah that babyface thing. And then you know Jerry Lawler, the heel, is like, well, she's a competent athlete. Why can't she wrestle? <laughs> boo! Get out of here, King Lawler! Boo! I hate you. <laughs> So uh, the the real unease for many, as we know before, was was selling for a woman. You know, we mentioned guys saying, "Oh, I don't want to let you know me seem weak," but Road Dog gets clocked in the head by China on a number of occasions. Yeah, she throws <laughs> such a punch; it's loud. <laughs> it's half punch, half potato. She fucking smashes his head in. It's Seriously. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Road Dog really does have the problem with selling because essentially what happens in the first portion of this match is China kicks the shit out of him. So he he really makes her look. At, like a million dollars here because when she's throwing those forearms he's like going oh you know really playing up that she's this really strong you know uh, person in the ring not to be messed with yeah definitely she she looks amazing as well in this in this match she does look like a terrifying goddess yeah I, I think many of us uh, who watched this match as a child would have been quite worried that if we didn't eat our vegetables China was going to come and cold cock <laughs> us in the mouth I, I know it's the whole thing Road Dog won't punch China yeah he but doesn't get like an aggressive move in the whole match yeah like the, well the first like two thirds of it he's like no I'm not going to punch her and then like every opportunity she gets even if she 
reverses the resting hole, she turns around and goes BAM! Right in the fucking face. Like, it's brilliant. Clobbering him, like. And Jim Ross goes, Road Dog is farting a woman, King, not a lady. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> What's the difference? Well, you see, a woman isn't worthy of respect, but a lady, never hit a lady. So don't hold, hold open a door for a lady. But not a woman. But not a woman. Is that the difference between a lad and a gentleman, then, is what yeah. they're saying? Like, Similarly. Woman, 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 woman. You can punch a lad, but if you punch a gentleman. <laughs> oh, I see, of course. That makes total sense. <laughs> what I like as well is that uh, Triple H plays like China's role here in that when the ref's not looking he keeps beating up Road Dog yeah. giving China the edge and all the that the ref apparently is just deaf because at one point Triple H hits Road Dog with the stairs and he makes <laughs> like, the loudest noise and the ref doesn't even turn around <laughs> and he turns around and Triple H's like sorry must have been that burrito I had for lunch whoa what a metallic sounding fart that was yeah. so uh, yeah like it even extends to when China is put in a sleeper hold by Road Dog like Triple H puts her foot on the roper and yeah. all that stuff and because uh, I think he thinks it reflects well on him if China you know wins in King like of the Ring I like that honestly if I really like the idea of China being a main wrestler and Triple H being her manager just in my head I like that a lot yeah it was, it was, it was, a, it was a cool thing to see because Triple H didn't actually have a match on that pay-per-view that was his role for that night was that's doing amazing that. so uh, boom, boom, boom. Triple H also pulls out a chain as well at one point. Yeah, uses it as like a knuckle duster. Yeah, the, uh, the the dirtiest of all weapons, the chain. So Triple H hits Road Dog, pulls China on top, and then locks his bike. So uh, Shawn Michaels literally just appears, which signifies Road Dog's big comeback, and he really starts like going to town and like the crowd. They really like, play up the fact that. You know, they're like, oh, God, Rodo, just fight back, please. Fight back properly. And he's not doing it. And then when he finally does, the crowd comes completely unglued. And the atmosphere of the match is, is incredible, like, which is down to Rodog in China. And I think they did a really, really great job on Rodog's big, big comeback. But uh, what's awesome about it is that China had been, in the weeks and months prior to this, tormenting Rodog. Right. And then if a match or any show started and Road Dog and China were on the same show or in the same segment, she would end up punching him right in the balls. <laughs> and as well with China, with that, with those biceps, and she she would do the big like uppercut to the nuts. Oh my god, that it looked like vicious. It would be a big quick, and the guy would be like, oh god. And Road Dog had baggy pants as well, so it went right up there, like yeah. you know. Oh, like his balls were going to come out of his ears or something after it. But uh, the real great moment of this is that China finally goes to that low blow, and then she's like, her arm is acting like it's broken, and Road Dog starts wiggling his legs and goes, uh uh-uh, uh, and he's got his cup underneath. And I remember <laughs> as a kid just being like, fair dues, you know, survival of the fittest. You've been hitting the dick 26 times this week, you figured out a way around that. fucking long enough. <laughs> it's it. You think being around China, who is infamous for low blows for several years, you'd start to wear a cup. What I like most about the fact that he had a cup was that you spotted the cup earlier I in did. the match. I thought he had an erection. Because he was lying on his back. And it's this big fucking erection. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off road dog with the fucking erection you played it so cool as well because I like insisted on pausing and rewinding going look 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 he's got a boner he's got a boner and you were like mm, don't know hmm. yeah as I mentioned the Iron Sheik we cautiously moved on didn't want to give away what I think is one of the best endings in a match ever so yeah road dog ends up winning after the pump handle slam and uh, China looking strong in defeat but what a great match and she was quite limited you know at this time this would have been her first proper big singles one-on-one encounter without you know a whole lot of stuff to hide behind with a proper finish to the match and I thought it was really good I thought 
thought it was all right. I mean, I must say, I did find it a little bit slow. I was wondering that because, I mean, for me, I remember watching this match, you know, for the Edge Era podcast and kind of having all of China's back catalogue in my mind yeah. when I watched it. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's good. But this was the first thing you saw of China. So, you, yeah, slow, you mentioned? Or- yeah, it just seemed a bit... It makes a lot more sense now you mentioned the build-up beforehand because I was so confused watching this as to why an Earth Road Dog wasn't doing any offensive moves for, like, most of the match. It just made no sense to me. I thought maybe... I got in my head that perhaps it was, like, a WWE thing. They were like, no, no, you can't hit her right away because people will be offended. But, like, it's not as if there was, like, a, a segment the week before where it's like, I won't punch you at the at the pay-per-view because I'm a man. It's literally... That's just the implied thing because a man and a woman are in the ring in 1999 and that's the story that Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler told on commentary and that's just the way that they play I, this. Yeah, I guess without the commentary and also coming from, like, a modern fan... It seems so weird, like... wrestling, it does seem really weird. Yeah, and so that it was just it didn't seem to have the same pacing to it as a uh, most matches that I enjoy because there was no back and forth really. It was it was China just beating up Road Dog. Yes, yeah, so Road Dog had to wait till his rage meter had sufficiently completed that he could overcome his inbuilt yeah. chivalry and be like, "I'm going to punch you now," <laughs> and then he could have a have a chance at winning it. Um, so China spent towards the late late part in 1999 becoming uh, a lot more prominent. She spit away on her own away from Triple H on camera. They remained together behind the scenes but they started doing things where like China was being pushed quite much more as a single star and there was at one point chat that China might even get a match against Steve Austin at SummerSlam 1999 which never happened but yeah there was there were like rumblings of of them like doing big big things with her in terms of maybe putting a belt on her and the match we decided to watch next is a very interesting one indeed but you can't do China without without doing this this was for the Intercontinental Championship taking place at No Mercy 1999 where we have Jeff Jarrett the Intercontinental Misogynistic Champion of the World taking on China and what's interesting about this is that it's one of the first times that a man and a woman are fighting for you know a, a, a belt that technically was only ever held by men so this was an interesting one though for the main reason that the build up and the storyline to this was that Jeff Jarrett was a complete and utter misogynist we mentioned maybe before about the Jeff Jarrett being you know very misogynistic at times but we don't want anyone to maybe think that it's because of this angle here where you've got a character playing a cartoon version of a misogynist as opposed to the very real misogyny that they were putting off and making it to be okay so this was a, a strange one because it's like them going well look at this misogynist over here who's playing the the role of uh, I'm a misogynist but they were themselves being rather rather bad with their treatment of women at the time it's one of those interesting things that on paper seems like it would be mad offensive this match because I remember thinking you know yeah this was like oh man this one's going to be fucking hard to explain and you know this is a this is really con it's not it is just a case of you know China's a strong female character and she's coming up against what they've made as the personification of any anti-female sentiment about men and women wrestling and all that. And you've got this Jeff Jarrett character going, men are the dominant species. Women should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. But the fact that they're like doing a good housekeeping match is literally... (laughs) You tried asking me what a... What what would you say the rules of a good housekeeping match are having watched it now? I'm still unclear. Okay. But from what I can tell, a good housekeeping match is apparently 
a match between China and Jeff Jarrett because they've never done it before or since, mm-hmm. wherein the only weapons allowed are those that we would find in a household. Okay. Which is vague. It's very vague. It's very vague because, I mean, you can find lots of things in a household. Most things are in households. Yeah. But it ends up with things like toasters, uh, ironing boards. Some kitchen utensils and appliances. Yeah. Food. There's food. There's eggs. There's a big salami. There is. There's a kielbasa up in this. It's it's pretty impressive. I wanted to ask, though, like, when they showed the video package of all the stuff of Jared doing, like beating up old women, putting random women in the audience in his submission holds, hitting women on the head with a guitar, putting China in a laundry basket and throwing her off a stage. I mean... Do those things make you go, oh, or does the fact that you also had stuff like, you know, for instance, China beat up Jeff and put him in a dress and then like took off his pants and put his pants on. <laughs> I was wondering, is your perspective coming out from a female fan? Because I mean, for, for me, I, I was always kind of like, well, he's playing this ridiculous stereotype and China's getting her, her own back on him and he's not made out to be anything but the villain and he gets his comeuppance. But I mean, those kinds of things that they're showing where they are like having a man beat up a woman on TV to build to an eventual confrontation between a man and a woman. It Was that a bit weird or...? Um, it's weird in that they make him out to be kind of a cartoon villain in some respects. Sorry, I'm just assuming you're the spokesperson for all women here. Yeah, well, of course I am. And I'll meet after this episode recording and check in with all the other women yeah. to make sure that what I've said... On Skype. ...is okay. So, but my opinion is, uh, yeah, he kind of comes across as just this, like, hyper villain. He seems unrealistically misogynist. And also, yeah. I've got a question. Did they ever use the word misogynist or sexist? They they actually did refer to, yeah, sexist comments from Jeff Jarrett or they referred to him as a misogynist. They had done that, yeah. Okay. They had done that, yeah. Because I would definitely think less of them if they did that angle and didn't. As far as I know, though, China never did that. It was always, like, the commentators like took over from, like, oh, this is, you know, really sexist, you know, or... I can know. understand why, though, because I think if it came from China there would be certain fans that would instantly hate her yeah it's like, true how dare she yeah but it's okay if it comes from the commentators because yeah because i mean i always i always figured then really what are the more kind of shocking moments in, in many respects with wrestling in the Attitude era and its sexism is when it's that more kind of like sly just jesus out of nowhere yeah. like like there's been instances where like there's like a guy would hit a woman like just out of the complete blue like in, in random encounters in 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 the Attitude era and i remember like a couple of times we were just fucking shocked like oh, why did they do that like just out of nowhere whereas Jeff Jarrett is literally coming out saying I'm a misogynist I hate women because I'm backwards and I'm playing off your prejudice against people from the south being stupid like which is what, what they were doing right Jeff was leaving the company at the time so they were having him play this fucking absurd going to a company down south WCW so they haven't playing this absurd like hick redneck character so I think a lot of it was was there as well I think but Interesting to get a, a female fan's perspective on it, I guess. This match starts off um, quite apropos of nothing because uh, Jeff Chair comes out with a with a giant pun, pretty much, to start this off. I loved it. He came out literally with the kitchen sink. <laughs> good on you. I see what you did there, Jeff. It was very, very good. <laughs> um, China was coming out here as well, and uh, China looked incredibly badass. I mean, once again, when she was coming out, you were commenting on just the, the cool lights, all that, her leather outfit. She looked like very Xena-esque in ways. Yeah, I've, I've not seen a huge amount of Xena, but from the pictures, it, China and Xena seem to have a lot of similarities. There was like a, I think there was like a trope for like 
Amazonian warrior women yeah. in black leather in, in the late 90s that people just really definite kind of... Definite trend. Definite trend. And China's a trendsetter there for, for sure. She looks awesome. What did you think to uh, Jeff Jarrett's valet manager, Miss Kitty? Miss Kitty. That was an interesting one. Yeah. Um... I mean, she doesn't really get much of a chance to do a huge amount in this match. Other than have uh, eggs poured on her. Yeah. And Fun day at the squirm, office. Squirm around in them basically naked. Yeah. And you eggs. don't really like eggs that much anyway, do no, you? That's really... Ugh. Yeah. Eggs. Ugh. Oh, no. That's, that's not... Eggs are the least sexy food. Come on, yeah. guys. A raw egg Someone is... going to lick that egg off her boobs? Like, <laughs> Raw on. eggs are not sexy. They're going to get salmonella <laughs> everywhere. It's unhygienic. You're going to try and move it with a cloth. You'll just push it around. Oh. Oh, oh god! That kind of oily, kind of eggy residue you get. Ugh. Fun fact: by the end of this year, in the Attitude Era, uh, Jerry Lawler will have married Miss Kitty, the Jeff Jarrett's valet here. Jesus! Another fun fact: uh, before this match took place, Jeff Jarrett, China's opponent, held up Vince McMahon for several hundred grand in what he believed to be back owed uh, royalty checks. So Jeff wouldn't go out and lose to China unless he got a couple of hundred grand. What? Yeah, because Jeff was leaving the company he's like you owe me money I'm not going out there to defend this belt and give it to China unless you uh, pay me my money and that's why Jeff Jarrett's never been seen again so wait it was money that was already owed to him it depended on who you ask it was like money that he would have been getting in the next few months but he wanted it right then and there because he figured he wouldn't get it because he was leaving on bad terms but so was it only because he was against China that he got paid the money or would it have been um, paid regardless I think well the fact that you know it was a big match, like, so I think the fact that he held him up was why he got the money. But just fun fact going into this one here, China's historic moment sits against a backdrop of uh, a lot of political turmoil behind the scenes. Seriously? Yeah, uh, I think it was a Kiyabasa. Um, it could have been a Milano. I wasn't really sure. And then she gets a toilet seat and she, like, slams it on his head so it's around his neck, which you, is very comical. You were laughing your head off at the start of this. Yeah. Jared comes from that Memphis school of, like, bumbling heels falling over. Mm. And he really plays the part well here because he just gets the shit knocked out of him it's very satisfying him playing this kind of misogynist character as this like super comical villain yeah because in the comical. video package he's so like he's all like he's like, this unstoppable badass he's wearing his sunglasses talking how much he hates women yeah. wearing no tops even all cool and then China's just there hitting him in the head with a flounder <laughs> I love that so much it's really satisfying and then she gets a banana and peels it and like shoves it in his mouth it's really horrible <laughs> um, China even dives through a table at one point which was yeah. uh, quite quite amazing to see she did an elbow drop yeah. through the table pretty pretty awesome so you can already see this was only two or three months after where we last saw China her having a much different role in the ring they're not doing the whole kind of oh we can't hit her hmm. they kind of they've moved past that really as it's a story still mostly her attacking the man though yeah true but I guess it's not her attacking the man because the man is is being chivalrous it's her attacking the man because the man is a little weakling and she's destroying him is it just because of the matches been picked out just it happens to be that the matches we've covered so far have been a lot of her on the aggressive I oh, know that would be a lot of the time how they would really? do it particularly because I mean 
a lot of the earlier stuff that we saw, China would have played heel, and now was you know we'll have a heel on top a lot of the time because she's going to be dominating. Yeah. And here it was just the case because Jeff was leaving, they were like fucking squash him, destroy him, <laughs> crush him like the bug that he is. Like Jeff Jarrett, in the brief moment that he gets a bit of respite from the arse kicking China gets is given him, starts cooking up a little bit of food and he puts Ooh, eggs in a bowl. Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? Like bacon's not going to get you out of this. Paul Hollywood won't save you now, Jeff. And Miss Kitty comes along and helps him. I'm pretty sure there was some comment from Jerry Lawler or someone saying she knows how to cook (laughs) (laughs) oh man and then yeah as we mentioned uh, Kitty gets covered in eggs which is disgusting Jeff Jarrett locks in his figure four leg lock in his last hope to try and defeat China but China gets to the ropes China gets a pair of salad tongs and applies them to Jeff Jarrett's dick. That made, yeah, that made me squirm. It was so fucking funny. It was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Horrible weapon. Because I mean, they had to grab it in such a way to look like it had gained the purchase of his of his something, and they did. They got like there was something squidging in there. You know, good job. Cause... I always wonder how they fake things like low blows and stuff. It's dangerous territory. It is. It's very dangerous territory. I mean, I'd be wearing a cup if I was a wrestler. Yeah. I'm just saying, regardless of in the ring with uh, someone with a bashant for ball shots or not. <laughs> Jarrett gets hit in the uh, face with a kitchen sink, which he kicks out of. And then Jeff Jarrett hits China with, with the intercontinental belt. And it seems like he's won. And he's walking away covered in, like, flour and eggs. And then they announce... That because the Intercontinental Championship is not a household object, the match must continue. And then China chases him with a guitar. <laughs> Which is a household yeah, object. It is a household object. So the, uh, the, the line that Jerry had when he's given out that, that Jeff has to go back and wrestle is like, the Intercontinental Championship's a household object in the Jared household. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. But yeah, China clatters Jeff with a guitar. She wins. First female and only ever female intercontinental champion. Holds up the belt. Legit tears in her eyes. And regardless of what anyone ever says about, you know, China and her career or, or anything, that is a huge moment. And yeah. no one was ever able to take that away from her. And I think that was, in many respects, one of the, the crowning achievements. Whatever it was, long or short term, about her, her changing the role of women in wrestling, whatever the arguments there are about that, she definitely made it possible that something like that could happen. Yeah. You know, and it's not happened since, but... It's still amazing to see it when it does happen, I guess. It was a really cool moment to see her win that belt. And that belt did mean quite a bit back then still as well. And it certainly makes her out to be so special by the fact that no one has done it before or since. Yeah. China is the one and only. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting because, I mean, are there women, if they were to intergender, who could conceivably hold on? Yeah, absolutely. But it would require WWE to really, like unlearn or unteach what the fans are, are, are led to expect about you know intergender stuff and all that and that's their own fault because of how weird and creepy they've made it any time they've went down that path <laughs> with the exception of the stuff they've done with China so they've really backed themselves into a corner there I, d- I don't know if you ever would see another female intercontinental champion like that you know? yeah it's interesting because I wonder if WWE wouldn't do it just partly they wouldn't want to devalue what China did but then you think they did that they... thing with the Royal Rumble though that yeah. we mentioned so yeah Interesting, Mm -hmm. very interesting. Next match we watched, which I happen to think is one of China's best matches, and definitely the best matches I think she got out in the WWF was when she worked with Chris Jericho, who was just debuted at the company around that time. And the next match we watched was 
Chris Jericho taking on China for the Intercontinental Championship at Armageddon 1999. Now, you are a, a card-carrying, stupid, idiot, big fan uh, member of Chris Jericho's community. Just recently. Just yeah. recently. It's funny. Joe didn't like it before. Then he starts calling it. us all stupid idiots. And now, hey, we like... <laughs> you can, I think it's really easy to tell what I will like. Because yeah. like Seth Rollins as well, he's like similar kind of whiny, stupid idiot, like shit heel kind of... And yet you love Sami Zayn, who's opposite of all those things yeah. yeah i just i appreciate lots of different things but i just i have such a weakness for just awful little men what did you think <laughs> of chris jericho playing a very different awful little man back here in the attitude era he was great actually he, he was, looked he so was, different doesn't he does he? look very different with his long ponytail and he looks a bit like a slightly better looking triple h <laughs> he's got his like pineapple hairdo yeah and his little goatee beard <laughs> very bright blonde hair as he, well he does have a really shit beard here oh yeah it's a really shit little beard they play the storyline here which was again the shades of the misogyny angle again but the idea was that jericho was this like little creep who was like women can't be the intercontinental champion you've devalued the belt it's you're a you're, you're a freak show you know the only reason you're here is because you're a mutant and all. Like he was just this again a ridiculous type of character a little bit darker though than the stuff with Jarrett including one really uneasy segment where Jericho tied China to a chair and hit her thumb with a hammer and broke her thumb yeah fucking hell which is why this is the match where we get to finally see some uh, long overdue thumb offence this is the first match we've ever watched together where someone works over the thumb yeah. gets heat on the thumb like it you know, worked well I liked it in the thumb <laughs> Shanna she's not going to be able to non-verbally confirm that she's okay and give a thumbs up by the end of this one folks so uh, really cool about this as well we get Shanna's kick-ass music that she became known for mm-hmm. don't treat me like a woman don't treat me like a man don't treat me like you know me just treat me for who and what I am is that an empowering anthem I really like it it's, I yeah, I, it's, it works so well for her character. It really does because it's like she's not like the men on the roster, no. and she's not like the women on the roster. Yeah, she is. She's, she's this other thing. She's China. Maybe if you went, don't treat me like a diva, don't treat me like a man, then yeah. maybe it would have made slightly more sense. Yeah, actually, I would. That would go from me liking her theme to adoring her. Yeah, it's yeah, re- it's, really cool. It suits her down it, to the ground. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, she came out as well with Miss Kitty, who is mini China now. Yeah, which I didn't realize was Miss Kitty until you were like. That's Miss Kitty. Yeah. It looks nothing like her. Yeah, Miss Kitty like w- went through a phase of like wearing wigs all the time, so her hair always looked different. D- yeah, I think I've seen her in the wig-wearing stages. Yeah, because she would have clips. like a different coloured hair like, each week. And I've loved week. her look with the wigs. It's really interesting because the match before we watched with her, I kind of just thought of her as another one of those... There's a certain type of uh, diva of that era which kind of all had blonde hair and breast implants and they and were kind look. of there for centrifolds as opposed yeah. to anything else whereas this was really interesting having like a mini China yeah it was a really cool use of, of, of Miss Kitty I thought it was, it was brilliant because what was there around the same time as well was, was Austin Powers 2 which had mini me in it and that oh, was, yeah. they were doing that to kind of riff off that a little oh, bit funny. which was quite <laughs> funny yeah so yeah China does have a mini China as well as her, her bum thumb now did you notice in this match the pace being noticeably different from the other China match we watched. God, it's ridiculous how fast. I mean, this match was just, it's incomparable to just, the other two matches we've watched. And people, I hope people don't think that I've just kind of went just to 1999. Yeah, because that's the thing I didn't realise yeah. after this match that they, they're all from the same year. But I just wanted to show the story of the progression. If you look at her and Road Dog, you know, limited ring ability, her and Jarrett getting a bit more, you know, maybe proficient. And 
you know, her and Jericho here. I'm not saying, oh, then she got better and better and better, but just that she was maybe more comfortable doing these types of matches. And these were, this is the position that she's been put in now. Because King of the Ring was June or July. And then this is December at the end of the year. And yeah. the difference there is night and day. Yeah. Because she goes quick. Jericho is a very fast wrestler and he controls the pace here. He was the kind of guy in charge of putting this match together. And he really put her through their paces here. But she was able to keep up with her. She was really, really impressive here, I thought. Yeah, it was It was really, really it's mind-blowingly different from the other matches. And considering it is all from the same year, it's amazing seeing such progress like that. I think a lot of it can be down to the circumstances and the opponent as well because oh yeah I know Chris Jericho's is a general what's it called ring, ring general ring yeah general, that's the one. but he it was really interesting because he wrote about this in his book about him wanting to get more out of China in this feud that they were having because they had wrestled previously and he didn't think the match was was as good as it could have been and here he was like right we're going to really go hell for leather here and he was really pushing her and part of the thing that you do in his style of wrestling maybe influence from Japan is that to get someone fired up you start kind of going a bit harder you know some of the times here he was clocking her fairly hard there's a point where he suplexes her onto the table and he fucking smashes her into it it looks like he's trying to kill her basically but he's trying to light that fire basically in her and he gets it back out of her which is incredible what's not so great is the fact that afterwards he alleges that China complained that he was unsafe and that he hit her too hard and she didn't like you know working with him that he was he was no good but I'd like to think that that was maybe caught up in the heat of the moment because looking back this is such a better match than what they had had previously. I wonder as well if maybe because I'm really curious about all this previous training that she had because mm. if she have if she's having this training that isn't in ring with another opponent, I can see why suddenly wrestling Jericho like that. She had never had a match. Unsafe. Yeah, absolutely. Because she'd never had a match like this before, like ever. But it was showing that she could do it. Yeah, and you if know? she hasn't had time to like. You think of wrestling nowadays; they train with each other so much. Yeah, and if she hasn't had that experience and with doing that. In case if you just understand the the kind of the pecking order almost that China is the big established star. You know, the word from the office, you know, make sure she's protected, she looks good. Jericho's the guy coming in from WCW, has had a very shaky start and was kind of not trusted really to, to, to be, you know, carrying matches and stuff. And they, they thought that, yeah, no, you didn't do a good job with China because she complained and all that. But I think they, they put on a classic here. Oh, I think this is, yeah, this is one of the best matches we've looked at, I think. This is also great as well because you can see China expanding her repertoire with the handspring elbow where she does a cartwheel, a backflip, and then into a big elbow smash that's amazing she's so flexible isn't it cool it's, a, it's bizarre though because a lot of her wrestling style isn't to do with flexibility it's no she's just this one bit strikes. that she pulls out it's like, just this one move that she'll just do this amazing flip thing it comes out of nowhere amazing I suppose the only time I can think of think, her doing things like that is occasionally she'll um, I think it's generally once per match actually so far is the, her opponent will fling her out of the ring. Yeah. And she's oh, she's the big so flip over. Yeah. Full backwards flip. Some guys would do it and they'd just sort of fall out. But she really goes full hard. uses her momentum to, to, yeah. to go cascading over. And what was interesting, this one, which is something you mentioned in previous matches, which is just, you know, China being on offense all the time. She's on defense here because yeah. Jericho just is beating the crap out of her. You get to see China selling a lot. And there's a lot of reversals as well a lot of China's matches previously it was just kind of and there's the finish but you get a great sequence with loads of different reversals Jericho keeps trying to put in his submission China goes for her finisher ends up getting in that walls of Jericho and making her tap out after ages but it felt like a real hard fought victory for Jericho and China looked like a beast especially Jericho working her thumb again yeah drop kicking the thumb there's a point where she gets um, caught 
caught in the ropes and he actually starts boxing her thumb. <laughs> Can I just mention one thing that happened, which I did notice? At one point, uh, Jerrica throws her onto the announcer's table. Oh, yes. And she's lying there. And you can see Jerry Lawler groping her ass in the background. I'm not kidding. You see him getting Fucking a little fumbling until he turns around and sees the camera and he's like, oh. Let's put that one in with the, with the dossier for Jerry Lawler for now then. Like, I was wondering, like, what the fuck? I have no idea. I knew it was a creep, but yikes. God, what are you up to, Jerry Lawler? Maybe he fell. Yeah. <laughs> a really interesting match, but... I, I didn't want to tell you before we watched this that kind of like, oh, China didn't like this match. Or she yeah. thought that she got hit too much. But it was it was really, really great, I thought. Yeah. I thought she looked really, really... You saw a different side of her. And it doesn't even seem like the same wrestler from the King of the Ring match. She yeah. seems like a completely different skill set here. I can understand why she thinks she was hit too much because I can imagine it would feel like that after the rest of her career. Yeah. And Jericho, you know, he... he He's not going to go light. Yeah, his stuff looks real. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do kind of fakey kind of, you know, Hulk Hogan stuff. Jericho's all kicks and drop kicks and yeah. slams and throws. Like, you're going to feel a, a lot of that. I think that's the awkward thing as well for China that she <clears> was kind of in between the men who obviously would be going through all the rigorous, horrible training. That yeah. They'd be hit as hard as Jericho was hitting China. And then you've got the women wrestlers that obviously didn't have to do tough matches. They were treated a bit, you know, not to say better... But de- certainly differently. The expectations were. of the bumps or whatever yeah. in the match were a lot slower, a lot lower. Yeah. But here, I think maybe it's China the case. being treated basically with the men, which I think is right, and it's what would happen with the women today. Yeah, it's true. It's I, such a good match. I just, w- I would like to hope that you know that she was able at some point to look back and going, oh, that was a fucking belter of a match, I and really that shows that so. I could do that type of match. I mean, she wasn't injured, right? No, she wasn't. She was a bit banged up, I think. But yeah, you know, it, that, it's that is kind of wrestling. <laughs> That is wrestling, and, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. So, China spent the early parts of 2000 in a really fun angle where she was paired up with Eddie Guerrero, where she actually, her and Eddie ended up being this kind of, like, comedy uh, team together. And, again, the fans got to see another side of China, which is the fact that China can do comedy and she's not just this strong, silent badass. She was becoming really confident on the mic. She could talk. She could she wasn't just all serious all the time you know that was really really great to see that that kind of range what happened around this time as well this is where China's star really started to shine its brightest in the WWF in her original run which was she got to be in Playboy magazine Mm. which was a huge deal for them and for her because it was one of the biggest selling copies of all time it sold out when it when it came out and she was absolutely catapulted into mainstream superstardom as a result was she the first Diva to be put in Playboy. No, Sable had been in previously, twice. So China was not the first. So why was it such a big deal then, if it happened before? Because I think it was because it was... I mean, Sable, you could look at Sable and, and, and her Playboy and probably you could have confused her with any of the other Playboy models that would have been in the previous or following issues. China was positioned as this Amazonian warrior goddess yeah. with muscles... And for Playboy, which was at the time, you know, Pamela Anderson kind of motif, I think was what the the early 2000s was all about. Her being there was like, look, muscular women. It was meant to be quite a game changer in that sense. Right. And also for wrestling fans to to show, hey, there's a huge audience for this. Yeah. So it became massively successful and was such a big deal because she sold so many copies. So it was, it was the best-selling copy of Playboy. At that time, yeah, it was. So That's amazing. It was huge, absolutely huge. And it was quite funny around this time as well, China started appearing 
all across the mainstream. I mean, on TV Guide and stuff like that, China had been on the cover before, which was a big deal, and she was always like, the faces that they would show, it's like WWF, they would show Steve Austin and usually China were the two kind of faces that the, the mass public would know yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, that's... I the knew, Muggles would know. The I Mondays knew China would know. before I started watching wrestling with you. And that's from... You watched her on Third Rock, wasn't it? Was that how you saw her? <laughs> okay, no. Um, I... No, I mean, I knew her as a wrestler. She was one of the few, like, The Undertaker and I think Stone Cold or The Rock mm. and her were, like, the ones I knew of. And Hulk Hogan, of course. Yeah. But, um, no, I did watch her in Third Rock, though, just before I met you. Yeah. And I didn't... It was quite funny because it was like, oh, this, I met this guy who's into wrestling. And, oh, look, it's that one wrestler I know. <laughs> she was so good in that. Yeah, she's really good. Really, really good in Third Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I loved her just the moment I saw her in that. It's like... I want to watch more of her wrestling. So what was really interesting around this time, her star in terms of mainstream appeal was really shining bright. What was also happening at the same time, though, depending on whose version of events you believe, China and Triple H broke up. Mm -hmm. And depending on, again, on whose version of events you believe, they broke up after Triple H told her that she was already go he was already going out with Stephanie McMahon or... They were going out already, and he was cheating behind her back with Stephanie, and that's how it went down. I mean... <laughs> I've heard... Yeah. Both are plausible. I've always leant more towards Triple H doing it behind her back, because they, they anytime they've talked about how they started going out originally, Triple H and Stephanie, and Stephanie, of course, being the, the boss's daughter, Triple H being a big wrestling star, they've always been like, oh, we were so secret about it. You know, obviously, you know. It's funny, because I've, I've watched a lot of interviews with China recently about mm. that whole thing. And her side of the story is that she was engaged to be married with Triple H. They had a house together, you know. They, oh, yeah, they were. And again, they yeah. were inseparable. Yeah, like inseparable. went there everywhere with him. Because, yeah, there were a few signs that she said that she thought he was cheating on her. Mm. And she kept asking him and he kept saying, no, 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 I'm not cheating on you. I'm not cheating you. It's fine. She was like, just tell me if you are. It's fine. We'll be okay. And then one time he goes out somewhere and he's not at home and she, being paranoid, has a look through his things and finds a letter from Stephanie dated the year earlier and it's a mm. love letter. And it's really sad because in the interview I watched with her, she was like, you know what, I didn't ever mind that he was in love with Stephanie. You can't stop love. Yeah, I'm just telling her, I kind of... Yeah, all I yeah. wanted is honesty because you can't help who you love and that's okay and I yeah. wish you all the happiness. I thought it was really nice considering like what happened. I always thought that Triple H's main concern with that whole thing was not China's feelings. It was always just the secrecy because if it was found out that he was with Stephanie, it would mean that, you know, there was this thing that, oh, you can't go out with the boss's daughter, you'll get in trouble, the locker room will ostracise you, everyone will hate you, all that kind of stuff. And I always wondered if he kept up that sham because it was like, if I break up with China, everyone will be like, oh, he's obviously going out with Stephanie because yeah. there were rumours. And I think to try and keep stay face before he was comfortable with, with was telling people he kept China going along for the ride a little bit. That's how I always, always viewed it. Triple H will say, I went out with China, I broke up with China, then I started going out with Stephanie. We had liked each other before and it was only after then we decided. He's obviously going to say that though, isn't he? You know. It's interesting because I don't think he'll ever avoid accusations that no. the only reason he is where he's in the company is because he married Stephanie McMahon. That doesn't mean that he's not amazing at it, but no. I mean, there is... But I mean, he will never avoid those accusations. Yeah. There will always be people who will say that's the only reason he's where he is today. If you probably knew that in hindsight, could he have not, you know, really hurt that poor woman's feelings and mm. strung along? Probably, but that's the way it was, like. But what was really disappointing about that, and it was something which 
when I was watching as a fan as a kid, it didn't dawn on me at the time. You know, I wasn't reading Dave Meltzer when I was 12 years old. Yeah. China was still on screen. She was still a big part of the show. Playboy's coming out this month, folks. Don't forget, she was always the poster child. Big segment, big angle. She was always there on the show. But what I didn't realise was that all the stuff was going on behind the scenes. At the same time, she's like a, become a supernova of mainstream attention. And backstage, it's like, well, we can't really have her around here anymore because... I'm going out with the boss's daughter and it's really awkward. Well, I mean, what did happen on camera, though, was that China started, even though she was in really high-profile angles, they started positioning her towards wrestling against women. The story was that the right to censor hated China's playboy issues, so they conspired to break her neck. And then when China came back, overcoming this horrible injury to beat up Ivory from the right to censor, she was no longer able to wrestle women because of the surgery that she's had, so she's no longer able to, to wrestle against the men. She can only wrestle women which from a storyline point of view okay i guess and i remember at the time kind of going well you know china wrestling women that is a different story i mean she there is a lot of different things that they could do there maybe it's only temporary she won the women's championship at wrestlemania 17 in 2001 and then she proceeded to have a couple of months wrestling against women um the main match of that which we watched next which was china against lisa at judgment day which was China's last match in WWE. So she's in a point here where she's transitioned to wrestling women only. What was bad about that off the bat, you could probably guess, if we mentioned previously, is that their positioning of the women had been quite poor. And even though you had stars there like Lita and Trish Stratus and whatnot, they were still viewed as being, no, no, you're nowhere on the level of, of a China. So China has wrestled Trish Stratus. It, for, wow. In like 60 seconds on Raw, she like press slammed her, power bombed her, and then like put her foot on her one, two, three. She did the same thing then with like Jacqueline, the same thing with Ivory. And then right. this, you can see then that the story all of a sudden has been China is destroying these women. How convenient for them to also get a really short match in. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you can't do the story about China like, you know, running roughshod over this division if there's no one really to challenge her on that sense. And that's the trouble with putting her on this entirely other level, implying that she's way above all women and only on par with the men. Even if you give a storyline broken neck as an excuse, yeah. you are basically saying, you're being demoted. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but you have Lita versus China here. A match which I'd never seen before watching this. I remember distinctly not seeing this this show before. And uh, I was I was really interested to see how this one would go because I remember I'd seen all the matches with her squashing women in like 10 seconds. So I thought, China, Lita, big stars. Maybe we'll get something interesting here. China looks so different here, though. In she a looks, year, really. Yeah, a lot smaller and a lot more feminine. I think what was strange was that I think her becoming more feminine, you know, she had her jaw restructured, her nose changed and stuff like that. That was all, like, stuff which, you know, you could see that she was going for a certain look. Yeah. Which is the look which you think that she had, you know, 1999. But when she started, like, losing all of her muscle and stuff like that, you know, but she's quite thin here by comparison. Mm. I really felt that she did lose a lot of that identity. Yeah, that went along with that original China brand. It is a pity because she did have this incredibly unique look. And it's awesome seeing so many different types of shapes of women. Yeah. And it's a real shame that she kind of, in a way, had to turn herself into 
this ideal of what a female wrestler was supposed to look like. Now, I don't know if that's because she wanted to and she was more comfortable like that, in which case, fine. Do you think it's an ideal of a female wrestler or an ideal of someone who's going to be successful in LA? Because that's what I've always wondered. Well, I mean, at the time, that's yeah. both, right? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. But I always wondered if it was the fact that she was looking to a life beyond WWE of... You know, movies, TV shows, things like that, that she was like, right, well, it, it's better for me to look this way than to have this muscular kind of frame. I wonder if it really was mm. better for her to look like I that. Don't, I don't think so. That's what I'm yeah. curious about. I, I genuinely would love to know if WWE had any kind of hand in directing her down that route or if it was just for her own personal reasons. Because, I mean, yeah, I always really... You know, I, I I don't think anyone really ever has a position to judge anyone for for having cosmetic surgery or anything like that. Oh, if, no. if someone that someone wants to do themselves, they, I always will, will support that person's decision to do that. I think that's their right. But I do always remember seeing, particularly later pictures of her, where she looked. It, people are like, oh, she looks so different now. It's like, well, not that she looks so different. It's that she looks so much like other people. Yeah. And she looks not like that image that probably made 99% of your fans your fans in the first place, mm. which was this strong, muscular woman. It's really interesting because in this match, she, yeah, she's she's quite small. When I watched her in Third Rock from the Sun, she was huge. Mm. And I thought that was filmed after this. But Obviously, maybe that I'm, was done, I, I think that was around 2000s before, or so, she yeah. She was giant in yeah. that and it was awesome. And I'm sure that's part of the reason she got that role is because of her look at that time, yeah. this huge, muscular woman. She has a peacock outfit when she comes out here. It's amazing. <laughs> I congratulate the design in some respects. Yes, not in others. Not in others, as we'll, we'll see. China beats up Lisa. Lots. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's kind of really it. I mean, Lita mounts a fiery comeback, but the fiery comeback is unfortunately overshadowed by yeah. a wardrobe malfunction, which, I'll be honest, given the number of times this has happened in China's career, I was surprised this didn't happen previously. So I didn't pick this one because I go, oh, let's watch a match with a wardrobe malfunction in. <laughs> this is one I hadn't seen before, but I guess I watched this one because, well, yeah, it, it did happen a lot. Her outfits were oftentimes maybe made a lot more for looks than for practicality. Yeah. It's funny, I was thinking you probably wouldn't get that much nowadays. Because oh, no. A huge amount of work that goes into designing the uh, female wrestlers' bras. There's a huge amount of support needed. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's more than just double-sided tape these days, folks. Yeah, there's a full infrastructure going on there. How do you think they can keep the cleavage of both Braun Strowman and Nikki Bella so tucked in? It's, it's because of this new technology that we have. <laughs> So yeah, um, she does have uh, an unfortunate moment, let's just say, <laughs> and it does take up a huge portion of the match. You, you worked out the, the, the math on this one, Joe, I think, didn't you? I tried to, and then I realised I'm really bad at maths and gave up. <laughs> but it was out for like 30 seconds of a, what, seven minute match? Yeah, that's what was really like, I was kind of like, right, going to get going here now in a second. You know, Lita hits a hurricane run at one point, which looks a little bit wobbly, hmm. and then China just hits her with a powerbomb. And then it ends. Yeah. And I was like, wait, where's the match gone? It was really distracting as well, because by the time her breast fell out, all of the crowd were like obsessed and they were howling and whistling and going. There was a real, when she came out though, I always, people always had the thought that, oh, that when she was leaving, everyone was booing her and no one cared about her. When she, when her music hit, she got a fucking massive pop. Mm. Huge, and there was loads of China signs in the crowd. So she still did have a huge fan base at that point. Yeah, but it's a bit distracting. They get a the bit distracted. Like literal apes. Yeah. They may as well be flinging their shit at her. <laughs> 
Mm, and uh, another reason why being relegated to the women's division sucks because you get five minute matches mm. and this is hard to think that you know I showed you over this course of one year all that development and then you see 2001 actually we're getting like not really the types of matches that you could be getting from China no it was really sad it was a it was a bad match I thought it was it was it was really really poor and China left the company shortly thereafter and when she was leaving she was like well this is going to be absolutely perfectly fine because I've got uh, another playboy lined up that she was doing independently of them she had roles in movies TV shows she got an agent she was moving to LA she was big in the the public eye but that didn't last. And, you I mean, there's so many, you know, celebrities of the time who unfortunately got trapped up by... Remember to 2003 to 2007 where it just felt like when reality TV was really bubbling to the surface yeah. and MTV and VH1 were just rounding up any fucking celebrity and putting them in a compromising position. It was the worst era of television. It was. It was before people realised... Before there was, like, Twitter and stuff for instant reactions and people to kind of mount, like, hey, you know, that's not on and for execs to kind of pay a little bit more close attention to their audience other than a rating. Mm. Um, you got some really bad stuff but what was nice that around this time I was looking for a, a post WWE China outing and she did wrestle in TNA um, for one or for one match I believe wasn't really a particularly great match am I right in thinking that's the match where she teamed up with Kurt Angle yeah she did team with Kurt that's so cool it was really cool but this match I was kind of a little bit more a lot of people had requested this and where people were talking about this which was China in Something most people didn't realise. China wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling briefly. That's cool. In 2002. Didn't know that. So, yeah, strong style indeed. We have China taking on Masahiro Chono from New Japan Pro Wrestling in 2002. I was dead excited to watch this one just to see what it would be like to take China and put her in this completely different setting because you hadn't seen this match either no I hadn't and I mean people were recommending it because it's like hey you know China you always know is this like sheltered within WWE which is itself sheltered from outside wrestling world seeing her wrestle someone like Chona I was like holy fuck this is going to be really interesting Um, she looked completely different coming out with her blonde hair blonde hair and she's again way smaller even to the last match that we watched she's, she's tiny now yeah Completely she looks, changed. She yeah, it's bizarre. Is it something about like is it just me kind of being nostalgic or thinking that a certain look is just like timeless? But I mean, China, it's gotta be like the jet black hair, yeah. the black gloves, the you know, the that that was the look, wasn't it? That that really made her China. Yeah, I mean it, I don't think anyone who is a wrestling fan you're going to go up to them and say you know what does China look like they're never I don't think they're ever going to explain I don't think they're ever going to say oh yeah blonde hair and it's this huge muscles big dark black hair black hair black leather that's kind of really what people think of when when they think of China and arms folded and being hit in the balls that's what people associate I do feel it's kind of a shame that she um, she did lose all this muscle I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a lover of muscle or just diversity. It was just so, so great having someone so unique. Looking. I think because a lot of people say that she did open the door in many ways for maybe she didn't open the door for all women and maybe elevate all women with her to that level. No. But she did certainly make it saying like, hey, seeing someone like Awesome Kong or Nia Jax yeah. or you know just different shapes. She, I think women. Yeah, what she could do and what she did do is she could show that you don't have to be a tiny little bikini model to 
achieve greatness in yeah. wrestling. You you can be taken as seriously as, as men. And if your definition of greatness is every teenage boy in America having your picture hung up and yeah. you being in Playboy and calendars, if that is your definition of greatness, you can have that as mm-hmm. well. Because she did kind of get both really in, in in my opinion in that sense like she she was all of those things Chono and China was very interesting because I was like I wonder how if they're gonna go like real full on badass here and within a second of this match starting they had grabbed like they keep doing this thing where he's like ah you're a little girl and he grabs her by the throat and then she just grabs him by the throat <laughs> and then he kicks her full force in the face yeah, Yikes. I was wondering if that was for real because yes. it looked hard. Whoa, is all I could say. That was a uh, yeah, that was definitely non WWE like that kick to the face. I was wondering, seeing as she did lack all that training from WWE of in ring stuff, mm-hmm. and then she's here in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where I imagine she was probably getting given hardly any training or support. Yeah, I mean, she must have. She, she's. It must have affected her matches, right? Not being given all that kind of ring awareness with another opponent. Yeah, I I guess. But I mean, here she was, I think she was brought in as being like this kind of mystery opponent for Chono. And I think he was kind of put together this match to kind of make it this kind of story about him fighting this this, this woman, you know. I just wonder if it um, maybe affected any of her matches outside of WWE where she didn't have someone there going. She had so few matches outside of WWE. That was really the thing. Because when she left, she literally left just as WCW, ECW were gone. And she was such a big star that, you know, 2002, 2003, when TNA was very first, starting up it was a very small little yeah. company it couldn't have afforded her because she was making millions of dollars being on you know playboy and doing all these appearances and stuff you know so mm. that was really it she never really had a much of a post WWE career as a result of that which is kind of sad that you know other than those few matches she didn't really wrestle once she left the company so wow. we didn't really get a chance to see the extent of, of what she could really do I think so Chono does kick her head off and then uh, actually he does it though she stands right back up and stares at him right in the face yeah gets right back on her feet there's all these kind of like posturing moments between the two of them like she does a handspring elbow and then stands on top of his head just like <laughs> with her hands on her hips I noticed they have a woman on commentary in this yeah because they assume that the Japanese commentators who've never seen a woman wrestle a man in this context needed a woman's perspective like well quite right much like I need do the same know, thing yeah I think it's a good idea you know <laughs> she's xenism good and proper and I can't help but feel that the actions in the ring do not match the sparkly outfit and feathery boots that China is wearing <laughs> I liked her outfit she, she sure. looks like kind of, she's got the outfit of like a, of a happy-go-lucky newcomer babyface rookie diva in uh, in NXT like hey guys high-fiving yeah. everyone feathery boots all sparkles it's not China but it's a cool look no but the actions in the ring definitely yeah. are China my favourite part in this match when Chono Ugh. has grabbed her and goes you are just girl and then she slaps him in the face and spits in his fucking mouth yeah that's gross <laughs> that's really 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 gross <laughs> you've made your point don't just alright Jeff Jarrett put you in a laundry basket and said that you're a different species and threw you off and nearly killed you and bet other women he literally just said you are a girl and then you spit in his mouth ew uh, Ew! Hit him with a salami instead. He just. <laughs> I assumed when she spat him in the face that she must be the heel in this match. I wonder actually, because I mean, Chono, you can always tell in Japan if a guy is coming out with a big giant cigar and sunglasses like he did that he's probably up to no good. 
And they, they're not necessarily people who will ever have good guys being like, you're just a weak, blah, blah. you know, they don't usually do that kind of a thing. So I think China was meant to be the face here. Ah. But we can see the crowd are a little bit like undecided what to make of her almost. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. They do a thing in this match where they trade atomic drops. They do this constantly. An atomic drop is where you lift up your opponent and you drop them down, groin first, mm. onto your knee. Yeah. And they did this over and over where he did it to China and then China would like shrug, you know, to the crowd kind of go, what's he even playing at? And then she would turn around and do it to him and he'd be like, oh! That makes no sense and shows a clear misunderstanding of the, <laughs> now, of the body. Here's me now sitting here with my, with my three degrees in biology, but <laughs> can I ask you, does it hurt down there as a woman if you get, because I yeah. always, it well, does, okay. right? As a vagina owner, I can confirm that it really fucking hurts if you get kicked there. Yeah. Getting kicked in the vagina is sore as shit. It's not like though, for I instance... I can't compare it to balls because I haven't got any. But so. you know what a ball that you can actually go, oh, and be like, oh, no! You yeah, know. we're not like, yeah. Hypersensitive. Like, yeah, I don't, vaginas aren't really like, they can be quite tough, obviously, yeah. in some ways. China's obviously is if she was able just to shrug off. Apparently is made of steel. The knees of Chono, like, yeah. you know. But, um... No, it definitely hurts. Same as being like punched in the boob or something. It's... I've just always had this thing in my head that somewhere there's these like horrible little like six-year-old children running around kicking women in the crotch, going, eh, "It doesn't hurt." <laughs> it's um, it's funny because you are still being kicked in some genitals. It's going to hurt. Yeah. And then, like, the pelvis generally is a sensitive area. But before you go, you know, thinking that it's you know anyway equivalent to being hitting the balls. Try loosen my boots. So I've learned the hard way. You can never compare anything to being kicked in the balls. No, childbirth is nothing compared I just, to I me. I avoided that entire topic entirely. Very sensitive about it. They are. Ooh, it's not as bad as being kicked in the balls. China locks in the STF, which is uh, locked in a lot better than John Cena, considering that's his finisher. She does a, a quite a tightened up version of it. I like it there. And the great little ending sequence where it's like dodge, dodge, dip, dive, dodge, dodge, kick in the face. China loses to Chono in what was again much like the Jericho one it's kind of was it perfect of course not there were you know things about it that were a little bit like loose or could have been tightened up but just to see China in a different environment and kind of kind of look you know she had a three four year career in WWE less of it in the ring mm. and we never got to see what she was capable of I was wondering about that because she's so flexible like the way she will just do that what's that move called the handspring elbow yeah right which is basically a forward flip you yeah. have to be athletic and flexible to do, do that do that after a cartwheel as well she does the backwards yeah. flip keep in mind it's, it's the kind of thing that like Charlotte or Dana Brooke will do generally and it makes me wonder like with that clear talent that she has if she'd received full training yeah what would she have we, I, I, I honestly think we've, we never saw her at her full potential. It's so sad. Ever. Because as soon as she started getting it with the, the wrestling on that, on that level, I think, she was pulled in too many directions, pulled towards yeah. you know outside stuff, behind the scenes things, putting with the women as opposed to the men. It was kind of sad. Yeah. We never got to see, because of her uniqueness, actually, it was actually in the fact because she was so unique and they felt there were so few people that she could work with that we never got to see the the full capability of China, of what she could really, really do. I can only imagine how hard that must have been for her because I'm sure she knew 
that yeah. she had massive potential. Absolutely, yeah. And again, knowing that part of her look was probably down to her you know, muscles, but also being told, because I, I heard that there was this huge thing at the time of, oh, does China have a penis? A uh, fucking hell, rude as shit wrestling fans. Like, A, none of your business, B, fuck off forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I should imagine it was hard for her. Yeah. Generally being, like you were saying, torn in all these directions of being offered kind of like playboy, and like, oh, you could be this, you know women's icon of beauty or whatever but also her, her look of and what's really horrible as well is that like one of the main reasons why she probably you went off and did that and felt like why there was no point in staying around WWE is that honestly WWE if you are a woman over a certain age during that time you know yeah because she was not, like 30 by then yeah and I mean honestly it's not as if there's any 40 year old women you know kind of performing regularly for WWE at that point no. you know they were she, if she didn't go and do it then she probably would have missed her chance because staying around WWE for longer and maybe even getting better at wrestling it wouldn't really have mattered at that point no. because you know there's a time limit on success if you're a woman apparently unless you're Mae Young yeah unless you're Mae Young so <laughs> so yeah her leaving and so we don't want to dwell too much on you know the, the the sadness of her life I'm sure if you're listening to this episode you've probably read or heard a lot of what has happened in her post WWE life what was evident about her post-WWE life was someone who had addictions, who had probably mental illness. In, in it's, it's obviously put the pieces are coming together now. Yeah. And also what's most crucial is a really clear lack of a support system at all. Yeah. You're going from someone who had a very close-knit relationship, you know, goes from a very, fr- fr- I don't use the word fraternity, but a very close-knit community in, in wrestling. sheltered too. Yeah, and you hear guys, you know, talk about, you know, after they leave wrestling that it's so lonely because yeah. everyone else is on the road. Any friends you do have, it's like, well, I'm in, you know, San Francisco this week, Florida next week. You know, it, the grind goes on for them. Mm. It's not a very nice place in that respect. And it's very obvious that she didn't have that support structure of I people. imagine it was so much worse for her as well because she wasn't, you know, either in the men's division or the divas division fully. Yeah. So even less of that kind of direction of which way she should go. And you really have to to think as well I mean if you really want to look at it as most basic of someone goes to LA and gets churned up and spewed out by the machine and all Mm. the horrible stuff that can happen there then yeah that's kind of what happened you know she did go there she didn't get the roles that she could have Um, she had problems with 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 alcohol was was a very very big problem it seemed at points you know you have sex tape that came out, which there's one story that says that, yeah, her and the other guy both got money and paid for it. And then she was, says she got nothing for it. It was Sean Waltman from DX. Yeah, that she did that. Who was involved with the sex tape. Yeah. And then, then there's, yeah, there's there's reports. And I, I, I don't want to take the viewpoint that everything that China says was... was was bullshit because I think what has happened and I've just this is something that I just noticed as a fan and really trying to step back during all of the, the, the stuff that's come out since she's passed away but I do feel that there's a huge number of fans and you're not new fans you're fans like me who have been grown up and given a dialogue that you don't trust a word that this woman says and that she's a burnout and she's fucked up and don't listen to a word that she says now if you want to take the viewpoint that someone has mental health problems or substance abuse problems that they can't be listened to and everything they say is a lie, that's 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 unfair, I think. Mate, if you think that, you've got beef with me. But here's, here's <laughs> the thing that really, really gets me. 
if you go back so many of these things and Joe's doing an article at the moment and a lot of research is going into it you if you think- peel back the layers of the source of so many of the things that are attributed to her okay if you think a reliable source is Howard Stern and a bunch of shock jocks getting her drunk and then giving her leading questions and then her going yeah forcing right. her as well to take off all her clothes you know Ugh, just, it makes me so angry how much of that has been taken out of context by like wrestling fans but and here's media. the thing I'm not sitting around watching Howard Stern in no. 2004 2005 you're going to read am, it on a Reddit I'm, yeah but I'm yeah. reading you know I'm reading my wrestling sites and reading my dirt sheets and they will just say oh yeah Howard Stern you know she was on this show she said all this it's not really sad and yeah there was a lot of cases of people kind of feeling sorry for China and you know wish that she got help she didn't get help in time and that's really really upsetting really really is but I do think that she is someone who, you know, didn't get a fair shake of it. Yeah, I really do feel she was the victim, really, yeah. in all of this. Did she, as a point, has she has she lied? Has she said things that she shouldn't have said? Oh, uh, God, of course. absolutely. Of she's course. Some, yeah, she's made some really bad mistakes. I'm yeah. sure if she were alive, she would be the first. In fact, she has. She has been the first to admit that on several occasions, that she's, you know, done some bad stuff. And I, I think it's like kind of... But God, yeah. Yeah, you kind of go, oh, China showed up at a funeral and she made a complete scene. Don't you go and maybe look into the fact that China is someone who's self-medicating with, with, with Ambien and Valium and has an alcohol problem. Is that not maybe more the story than, oh, she made a fool of herself? Well, that's the thing. You know? So much of the stuff that was covered there was like, ha, China comes in and makes everyone embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And, you know... It's like, Jesus, cut her a break. She's a... You're, as a fan, fans are going to have the opinions that they're going to have. But honestly, if... You're a fan like me who has been, you know, given the dialogue and brought up with that's, you know, the way things are and whatnot. You know, you question the information if it was them telling you that Roman Reigns is going to win the title on Sunday. So why not question the information if it's someone, you know? I'm not saying that all the reporters are lies. I'm just saying no. that there's more to it than a simple case of, haha, she fucked up. She's a fucking burnout. What I found most shocking in all of the research I've been doing for the article about China's death and everything was how biased even the most unbiased Mm. coverage of her life has been like wrestling observer which i think we'd both agree is one of the sort of the good places to get your wrestling information absolutely yeah even their obituary of her had like talking about like shit ton of incorrect information it was like saying about how she made accusations yeah and it's like when you actually do the research on the other end you see what she actually said you go well that has been taken out of context here and then all of a sudden it goes from you know She's she's something has been said in some interview that's been reported elsewhere in a more credible source, and then it's yeah. like, hey, she said in this credible source that she did. It's just that you know, I do feel that she has been a victim in so many cases of you know not having support, being played out there on these interviews, and stuff been dragged out of her. And she she needed help for all those years. She needed help, and the really sad thing about it is that WWE offers rehab to anyone who wants it mm. but she never asked for it she actually never approached them asking f- to be checked into their rehab program apparently and when you hear the story that before she died that her manager was trying to arrange an intervention with the likes of Mick Foley mm. and Steve Austin we were we were rather I was thinking about that kind of going are we saying that the reason that China didn't get help is because we were hoping that the intervention that she needed was going to happen on TV as opposed to yeah. happening there it does make me question a bit the whole the whole thing surrounding it 
Because people always are kind of like, oh, she's trying to get attention, she's trying to get the whole thing, get back to the company, making noise, maybe looking for help. And maybe the people who were there to help her weren't doing such a great job. The thing that really annoys me about people who are accusing her of attention-seeking and stuff, and it, it annoys me with, when anyone says this about people who, who are apparently crying out for attention, is that maybe they're doing it because they need help. Yeah. Like Maybe they need that attention, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... The stuff with the Hall of Fame, for example. Now, we all know as wrestling fans, the Hall of Fame is just a piece of shit front. It doesn't mean anything. It's it's, it's a nice night and a nice nod yeah, for people, you know, to, to guess. It doesn't mean anything about the talents of the wrestling, no, really. No. We all know it's about who you know and who you're on good terms with within the company. But it meant a lot to China. It meant yeah. a huge amount to her. Like, you go on her YouTube channel, it's all about how badly she wants to be in the Hall of Fame. And we all know... That was never going to happen because of the terms that she left on, because of the sex tape, which they're going to argue is the main reason. Obviously, there was I a still, lot more to it. I wonder, with with the tributes that they did and the response from her passing, I wonder if that would at least make them reconsider. Oh, I, think, I, I don't think it's... Imp- oh, I, I think they will. Yeah, it's I more likely now that she... And that's really sad that only in death did she get what she actually really wanted. Because if you watch any of those videos or interviews that she was doing before she passed, it was all she wanted. It was, it was all she... Oh, even less than that, she she would have been happy with just a phone call from them. So, yeah. I mean, it's a really sad interview you can watch with Vince Russo. And obviously, Vince Russo has his own demons that I'm sure we'll get to on another episode. But it was so sad watching him talk about how badly she just wanted just a little bit of recognition yeah. for what she achieved. And she deserved that. Christ. And I mean, you know, I think that's probably what was really sad was that after her passing and seeing that really amazing outpouring of tributes and emotions from mm. from so many people and you find out you know you always know that it's it's someone who really has a lasting impact and impression in the world when it breaks through the wrestling mold and you find people who are like oh shit I remember China China was like my hero and you know people who've not watched wrestling in you know 10 years all of a sudden start coming out of the woodwork talking about memories about them and I think that you know hopefully they can see how important that she was to a lot of people and a large part of their fan base I want to say as well because even though she may not have brought other women with her in the wrestling business up with her achievements she was such a good role model in some respects the character of china not that maybe the personal decisions of joni lawler maybe yeah yeah, but the character absolutely like i mean i've heard so many you know women who maybe aren't petite who are tall who are muscular who are androgynous or masculine or trans women they really felt like there was someone in china that they could be like you know here was a beautiful sexy woman who was in playboy and here she is with her huge muscles you know she's nearly six foot tall and and here i am sitting as a white man kind of going when, when am i going to get a guy that i can imagine myself as on tv you know just when just when <laughs> so for all of her demons and for all of the issues people have with her maybe as not being as talented a wrestler as some others she did some really important yeah. stuff for, for, for women in wrestling in certain respects. Could she have made more of an impact at a different time? Could she have reached greater heights at a different time? All maybe, those, maybe, 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 maybe. maybe, maybe. <laughs> All that we can say, though, is that from looking back at the career and the impact of China, you know, that she she was a star for a reason. Yeah. She had some amazing moments. She had some amazing matches. I mean, what do you think watching those matches overall? I mean, any standout moments? I think she's a great entertainer. Generally, it just seems like she was born... As, a, as an entertainer and, yeah. and from watching a lot of her interviews as well she seems so personable yeah. and sweet it's so funny she's so unlike the character China yeah, yeah. Um, she's definitely a performer yeah her wrestling obviously leaves something to be desired but 
I think it's unfair to compare her to other female wrestlers or other male wrestlers in any respect because she wasn't given that same training. She was completely treated differently. I yeah. think she has huge potential. Mm. Sorry, had, that's really sad. Yeah. Had huge potential. And her later matches, like that one with Jericho, I thought was fucking awesome. I, you know, really as well, really even, even if... You know, you, you you're not a fan of the matches. I mean, just the image of her like walking out with Triple H, just that kind of that whole package, that whole look that she had going for her was yeah. was strong enough that you know that, that she had a place on that show and had, had rightfully a place being remembered for for being a big superstar because she was just unlike anything that had ever come by before or since, really. I think as well, China's really interesting as a as a new wrestler because. Obviously, I, we're, a, we're a year into the podcast now, so mm. two years since I started watching wrestling. And it's funny, I think I would have enjoyed her actual wrestling a lot more if I'd watched it earlier, because I would have been less in tune with noticing when moves go right. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't be sitting there watching NXT and then popping on watching, you know, her yeah. and Lita and seeing the kind of the, the discrepancy there, maybe, in the, in the quality. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really hard. But I think if I'd watched her matches six months ago or a year ago, I'd have been like, wow, this is amazing. She can <laughs> do so many moves. Because I wouldn't have known any better. But... Um, so new fans, I think China is is definitely one one to watch with her matches, even if I did think they were a bit slow, because she's she's so entertaining, she's so good on. The and mic check out the segments. There's loads of segments. Her stuff with Eddie Guerrero, her stuff with Mark Henry, her stuff with Vince and the Corporation. It's all really great stuff, and uh, do check that out. So it's been a really great to talk about China. I really really am happy that we're able to hit on some of those real important moments in her career, and some of the kind of have some chats about some of those important aspects and honestly to get a, a female fan's perspective on it is really really refreshing particularly just because you make so many assumptions as a male fan about like oh I guess this is probably sexist or not sexist or I guess this is weird or empowering it's nice to hear it from <laughs> you know f- from a fan and not just assume you know but uh, it's time to get into some of those tweets and Facebook posts you know I'm the first to say that like you know I was taught when you see somebody compliment them the first time you meet them, oh, I like your scarf. You know, you have mm-hmm. really pretty mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, I love your hair. Like, oh, you know, you're very handsome. Like, whatever, you know. That's how I was taught to talk to people, not like just this vicious, like, gossip. But I know this is like a billion-dollar business. I, I feel like you can build people in a respectful way. An interesting thing, just before I read out some of these tweets, um, was obviously before the recording of the episode, uh, she died. And before she died, we did get this episode requested by Arnel de Leon months before she died. So we thought when we got told that we were going to be covering this episode... Yeah, we'd get to it. Yeah, yeah. we'd we'd get to it. She'll still be around, of course. We'll have, you know... We never thought that we'd record this episode posthumously after she died. Never thought that. Um, and I remember retweeting an article on, on Twitter that was about how she should be in the Hall of Fame. And after I retweeted it, she followed me. And that was such a huge deal to me, even though I had never seen her wrestle. Or I knew her from was Third Rock from the Sun and like occasional stuff online. It was a huge deal to me. Huge. Yeah. So when she died, it was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. I was very upset by it. Not Not because she followed me on Twitter, but... I think just there's something about her whole story that resonated with me. Yeah. And also a nice thing that happened on Twitter was I posted our 
fantastic artwork by yeah. Dan. Oh, amazing artwork. For this episode. And I tagged um, China's Twitter account in and uh, they said, love this. Thank you for sharing. And that was so, so nice. Yeah, I love it. Saying it's the ninth wonder of the world. Yeah. Do you know why China's the ninth wonder of the world? How she got that moniker? Because Andre the Giant is the eighth. Ah, very good. Yeah. Excellent. I know. You know. I'm getting knowledge Knowledge. my wrestling. Good job. So some tweets. Ron the Verge says, should go into the Hall of Fame. Did more for women in an era that belittled them. Other Hall of Famers have done the same or worse. I think he's referring to the sex tape there. <laughs> yeah. Good fucking point. I mean, we've got some murderers in the hey, Hall of Fame. Hey, I'm just saying, if my kids go into Google and they type in Mike Tyson, they'll find out that he's a convicted rape. Oh, wait, hang on a minute. <laughs> he is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> or Jimmy Snooker. Or Donald fucking Trump. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, for that reason, I, I would agree. Marcy RC says, she was a force and an anomaly. You could always tell how much she loved being in the ring. It's true. She really seemed like she was kind of meant to be there. You watch her in Beyond the Mat and see how much she loves clearly what she's doing. And that's like, right, it's, that's like January 99 they're filming, where yeah. I think that she was really coming into her own. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Adam Verstman says, it cannot be overstated how much of Triple H's early success was due to her. I think so. Triple H, I really think his character, because he came in originally with, uh, you know, I'm a fancy man character, which really, <laughs> which really didn't work that much. What? Save the rest of the episode. But he really didn't click, I think, because he would have all these different women come out with him as his managers. It was the fact that then he had the guy who had this woman that was beating up men, which was like what is this you know that it made it, he if anything hitched his wagon to her wagon and at that point in time because he really got a lot of eyes on him because that she looks so different and particularly when she first debuted before she had her, her jaw restructured she looked very like amazonian yeah. one. so he really like got a lot of eyes on him because of her wow. you know so yeah absolutely PJ Teth says, China was so cool, but always the target of gross comments male wrestlers never would be. Smash the patriarchy. I just said that one because I wanted to. No, it's... Smash the patriarchy. The fact that she was able to, like, be the star that she was, you know... The, the, the area she found herself in remember it wasn't 1999 when she was resting there that she came in she came in in 1996 that kind of time where you know if someone's saying I ain't gonna let no bitch hit me is an acceptable response to please sell for this person mm-hmm. then yeah that's the that's those are the the parameters of how she made her success not easy at all <laughs> Volcomania 11 says the first female wrestler presented as being equal to the men in an era of pool matches and bikini contests yeah and I, I think that they always felt that they could get away with doing all that sexist stuff because so. it's like hey Probably well China. China's over there you know we, we are neither empowering or unempowering women because we're empowering this particular woman a lot <laughs> and she's quite big and these other women were unempowering but you they're s- smaller so you see before I became the spokeswoman for all women China was the spokeswoman for oh, all of women, course which is why she got that special treatment that's very very lucky very fortunate <laughs> facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling for some more of your long form comments really interesting discussions happening over there about China uh, Brandon Diva saying I don't remember much about China other than thinking how terrifying she was but I do have a very distinct memory of her punching mankind in the ass during a cage match with Triple H I do remember and Mick Foley does in his book about China slamming the cage door on his head was one of the wor- like the, 
sorest experiences of his life because she closed it so hard on him. Really? If you were aged 11 or up, there was a good chance as a young boy you had certain feelings about China. But if you were aged, you know, eight or nine and China was on your screen, chances are she scared the fucking piss out of you. <laughs> There's a good chance of that. Brian Bradshaw writing, China's influence on female wrestling cannot be understated. She proved you did not need to be a supermodel type of athlete to succeed in the mainstream wrestling industry. When WCW and WWE were hiring people for their looks, like Sable, Miss Kitty, Terry, Stacey Keebler, the success of the likes of Awesome Kong, Jessica Havoc, Beth Phoenix, Natalia, amongst other bigger female wrestlers, can certainly be attributed to her. Nicola Finn writes, When I was a kid, I was a complete tomboy girl who did nothing but hang around with boys when China was at her most popular. She was an inspiration to me. I'm absolutely devastated with what happened to her. I guess the consolation is hearing some amazing stories about her and what a sweet, funny person that she was. Not to mention what a complete badass that she was. I mean, you know, uh, uh, female wrestling fans are are, are are in the minority, particularly when you come to the, to the Attitude Era. Yeah. And, you know, the few female fans who we're watching during the Atchera that we've talked about in the Atchera podcast we, we've chatted with I should say have always mentioned specifically like you know China and Lita who yeah. both were these, these big kind of like don't have to be you know the the, the, the payboy pin up you know bleach blonde type thing you know we're different and I think it's really important that they were you know, absolutely. absolutely. Even if WWE didn't realize this, that they actually were cultivating a lot of fans, it, that was a really important role model. Because on TV at the time, I mean, yeah, you had Xena and whatnot, but I guess, you know, strong female characters weren't really that much to come by. And not necessarily just like strong, but just, I think it's difficult as a little girl growing up and you see the, the pinnacle of femaleness is this certain type of woman with blonde hair yeah. and big boobs and a tiny waist, you know walking around in a bikini or whatever. And just like someone like Lita is obviously this different type of woman that little girls can kind of identify with because she's unique. Yeah. Similar with China. Absolutely, yeah. In the fact that you can be amazing, successful, but not look what you think you might have to look. Corey Kleinmaster writing here, it's a real shame that China fizzled out of wrestling due to politics. If she'd remained and wasn't downgraded in her role, she could have had many, many dream matches in the company. China versus Kane, Undertaker, and later wrestlers added to the company after her release, such as Rey Mysterio, Ric Flair, even Brock Lesnar. She was a great wrestler for someone who men and women could easily cheer for. I think that was actually something that was really nice, is that, you know, there's none more awkward, I imagine, if you were a, a father taking a young son or, or a young daughter to, to wrestling growing up. And China really was a a unifier in that there were a lot of men and women who could cheer for China, not just because of how she looked. Whereas a lot of the women, you felt that the men were only cheering because of how they looked. Yeah. And China was really kind of a a much more level playing field, I guess. She was a much, much more mass appeal. It was one of the only characters who you could you know, enjoy or was able to cheer for, not just because they were shoving her sex appeal down your throat Mm. all the time. That was very much like... A secondary thing with China I always viewed yeah but as always great conversations on Twitter and on Facebook and thank you everyone for your tweets and your posts and your recommendations for segments and for matches don't forget of course all the matches for this episode and any additional viewing can be viewed on the China episode page on uh, howtowrestling.com but it's been an absolute blast talking about China this was uh, an episode that I was worried might be dark and grim and sad I wanted we it to be we could have easily made it that way <laughs> we could have easily but I'm glad that we were able to look past I'll uh, hashtag save that for the article <laughs> yeah well I was glad that we were able to look past the darkness and be able to actually focus on 
you know the good parts of her life that was yeah. the one thing I really actually liked about WWE's tribute is the fact that by their own corporate ways they were unable to be like and she had loads of fucked up problems with drugs and porn and whatnot that they just had to focus on yeah, the positive right. contributions of her career and I was like yes that's what I want to do mm. let's focus on that I'm really happy we were able to uh, to do that so our next episode is one that I'm very very excited for um, I'm excited for a number of reasons one because for me it's entirely self-indulgent two I'm very excited for Joe to find out about this guy and number three we're fulfilling someone's birthday request as well which makes me feel like some sort of uh, annual gift man so yeah um, if you're listening or someone if he's not listening let him know Mark Thompson happy birthday to you we're doing how to D-Lo. D-Lo <laughs> Brown is my favourite mid-card wrestler. D-Lo Brown. How to D-Lo Brown. It's been requested for someone for their birthday by our pal Timmy, which I would say is a this is a really great use of a, of, a, of a birthday episode and a Patreon backing. What a great gift. What a great gift. Because D-Lo Brown is fucking incredible. And I'm so excited. We all walked away from the Agitator podcast with a couple of different opinions, but each of us shared one opinion, which was D-Lo Brown is awesome and everyone needs to know about him and I'm so happy that I get to show you about D'Lo Brown now I'm excited because I've seen and heard nothing about D'Lo at all except for the date with Mark Henry in China where he pops in and Mark Henry goes shh no that's not D'Lo not D'Lo stop (laughs) looking at him so D'Lo Brown matches segments Specifically, segments with Mark Henry, please. And something which I would like some help from the uh, the How To Universe with in particular, the matches that Dilo had in Japan, Ring of Honor and beyond. I saw him wrestle in Ring of Honor, but if there's any of those particular matches you think stands out as one of his real stand-up moments there in his post-WWE career, please make sure we get some of those in there as well. We're looking to do a retrospective on one of my favourite wrestlers, and I have a funny feeling he might become one of Joe's favourite wrestlers. Ooh in how to D-Lo Brown so use the hashtag how to D-Lo Brown and we'll make sure we get lots of tweets and recommendations in for that one so thanks very much for listening to another episode of how to wrestling whether you're listening on iTunes SoundCloud or on Stitcher make sure you subscribe leave a rating or review and as always best way to spread the word about this show tell a friend we do love that indeed and if you want to keep in touch give us recommendations for hashtag how to D-Lo Brown let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other thoughts in the world of wrestling at how to wrestling on Twitter where Joe is at the helm dealing with all the happenings in the world of wrestling as they go on and if you want to take part over in some longer discussions facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling give us a like check us out over there don't forget as well that with our new fancy website by the way there are still some coasters available limited supply and if you are someone from outside the UK and you want a set of coasters or you want to be in touch with that just send us a message on uh, Facebook uh, DM on Twitter or howtowrestling at gmail.com mm-hmm. howtowrestling at gmail.com send us a message and we'll be happy to give you a quote for shipping but these coasters are friggin awesome I love them I'm, they're the best merchandise with anything I've ever been associated with it's they're just incredible. such a shame that we're only able to sell them for such a limited amount of time they're so good I resent sending every package out of this home I just want to keep them. I I want to make a little house out of them. Yeah. So you have to check them out on howtowrestling.com. All of the artwork for our episodes, up until including this one, How to China, are available to get in coaster format, two fifty each, or if you buy more than four, you get 20% off. That's buy four, get one free, folks. And as well on the website, you can find our pay-per-view reviews and as well all the matches that we cover in each episode and any recommended segments. They can be found on the individual episode page, which is great. It's one hub for all of your How to Wrestling content. And... 
And now it's got even added vitamins and iron and articles from the how-to universe, which are appearing on HRSC.com as well. So some reading material for you there while you peruse the new website. I'm about to post a rather emotional one about wrestling being my safe haven during these dark times. And over on patreon.com forward slash how-to wrestling, you can find all our Patreon rewards if you're a backer. For $1, you can just support the show. Pat us on the back, ruffle our heads. Yeah, a nice virtual hug in money form, in the form of a dollar. (laughs) And as well, you get the episode notes for that. And for $5 or more, you get to download our pay-per-view reviews. They're monthly. We've got a shit ton of them up online now. Yeah, we've got over 10 now. You're starting all the way back at SummerSlam 2015, all the way up to current day. That's ridiculous value for $5. Extreme Rules just went up there recently. All episodes are over an hour long, up to two hours in length, some of them. And all of them are accessible if you give us $5 a month on patreon.com slash wrestling. Hey, Kevin, what's going to happen if WWE brand split means that we do have two pay-per-views a month? Jeez, I guess that's five dollars is going to become twice as good a value in all seriousness i don't know how we're going to have time to release that many unless this becomes our full-time job so please support us give us all your money i mean so we can do this full-time worst case scenario i mean it'll we'll probably maybe even merge them if they're going to reduce the length of the pay-per-view but we'll, we'll let you know don't worry you'll still get more than your five dollars worth don't worry and for ten dollars you can join us for our monthly live streams and help us to steer the good ship white wrestling or weird 2k 16 universe mode and if you're someone who has to point the port of how to wrestling into waters anew then you can be a 50 dollar backer and request an episode all the episodes recently have been requested by fans and they've been absolutely incredible in giving joe a very nice rich and varied diet of all the essential wrestling vitamins nutrients and proteins and if you want to be like teamy a really great example of a way you can uh, you know think outside the box uh, i think an episode dedicated to your birthday pal's favorite wrestler from how to wrestling is probably one of the best ways you can go about doing a birthday gift. Can I just get an episode done like of your favourite wrestler? Can that be my birthday gift to you? Well, we're pretty much doing that. That's how to deal O'Brien next. Oh. Like, so, you know, I'm very excited about that. But yeah, really exciting episodes coming up. Sorry again about the delay. I will only use my car crash as an excuse for two more days and then I'll stop using it as an excuse. But it's been a blast talking about China. It's been a blast telling everyone about what we're doing next. Let us know what you were thinking on Facebook and Twitter. It's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya!